it's like having a kid. You're never ready to have that. No, first, never. You're never, yeah. you're never ever ready to have that first kid, and you just know that you'll you'll have it, and everything will be okay. And it was like this. This was my this was my baby, um, and I wasn't ready when I started, mm -hmm. um, and I had no idea how I was going to get there. I just knew I'm hey, I'm having this kid, right? <laughs> and um, and it's gonna it's gonna grow into be an awesome adult. That is the one and only James Lawrence, aka Iron Cowboy. This week on the Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey everybody, what's happening? It's Rich Roll here. That's my name. This is the podcast. The podcast where I probe the minds and the personalities of the outliers, the paradigm breakers, the big thinking, out-of-the-box minds and personalities across all categories of excellence and positive culture change to mine the tools, the insights, and the principles that can help all of us unlock and unleash our best, most authentic selves. Hey, you know what, you guys? I appreciate you. I really do. There's so much great content out there vying for your precious attention, so I really appreciate you guys tuning in for subscribing on iTunes and subscribing to my weekly newsletter. If you want to support the show, please take a quick moment to give us a review on iTunes. It really does help us out tremendously, so I greatly appreciate that. And you can also support the show by clicking on the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. It doesn't cost you anything extra on your purchases, and it's really a great free way to support the mission. So you can make it easy on yourself by just bookmarking the link from the banner ad on my site to your browser, and that way every time you want to buy something on Amazon, it's right there. You don't have to go to my site, and it's a win-win across the board. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem. A problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life and recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. All right, you guys, so uh, big show this week, really big show. 
a lot of anticipation for my conversation with today's guest, the Iron Cowboy himself, who just accomplished what I truly, in my heart of hearts, believe is one of the greatest achievements in the annals of voluntary human endurance when he completed a completely unprecedented 50 Ironmans in 50 states in 50 days. So for those of you who might not know what an Ironman is, consider this. Consider swimming 2.4 miles, then getting on your bike and riding at 112 miles, and then running a marathon, 26.2 miles. Then you go to sleep anywhere from an hour to four hours, you get up again, and you do it all over again. Every single day, 50 days in a row, across all 50 states, and that includes Hawaii and Alaska. Not a single day off. Now look, as someone who did five Ironmans in a row on each of the five Hawaiian islands, I have a little experience in this arena. In fact, I might be just one of the few people who can actually relate on some level to what this adventure adventure entails. Although, you know, look, what I did now seems <laughs> paltry, almost embarrassing by comparison. Uh, and James and I talked about all this when he came on the podcast just prior to his attempt of the 50-50-50. That's episode 149. You can check that out. But anyway, at the time, I went on record on this podcast and on various media outlets like triathlete.com, and I voiced my concern about the possibility that this could actually be achieved. And I never doubted that he could do 50 Ironmans in 50 states, but it's the 50 days part that really got me hung up. I know what that sleep deprivation is like. I know what it's like to meet unforeseen obstacles that push the timeline back and imperil the mission. And I just, I had a hard time wrapping my head around him, making it through this entire adventure without having to take at least a day off here or there, maybe two, maybe three, I don't know. But look, he proved me wrong. He proved the world wrong. And on a whim, I decided to show up in Utah and run the final marathon with James and see it all wrap up firsthand. And I'm really glad I did. It was an incredible experience that I will never forget. It was emotional. It was thrilling. It was historic to be there and to see him cross the finish line to the insane cheers of 3,600 people that were there in attendance to celebrate with him. It really was something. And I couldn't be happy for him. I couldn't be more excited for him and more proud of him, not just that he did it, but the way he did it with a huge degree of not only self-will and fortitude, but an incredible amount of grace and gratitude. It was a really beautiful real-life drama that played out not on national television, but in relative obscurity outside of grassroots support. And in many ways, I think you could characterize this whole uh, endeavor as sort of a social media movement, which makes it really extra special and cool. So it's really my privilege to bring you the first full and completely uncut recap of this historic and extraordinary accomplishment to all of you guys today. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about James and his family and the crew that helped make it happen, all of whom join us today on today's Podtacular in a second. But first... All right, Iron Cowboy. Husband, proud father of five kids, an athlete who already holds two Guinness World Records in triathlon, first for the most 70.3 races in a calendar year. He did 22 in 30 weeks. 
and most Ironman triathlons in a calendar year. He did 30 <laughs> in a 12-month period, who now, despite and quite interestingly, considering himself to be very average when it comes to genetic athletic gifts, has truly done the extraordinary, a feat that he will tell you he chalks up to having been 80% mental. Think about that, 80% mental. But look, this was no individual achievement. It was truly a team effort. James could not have done it without incredible support, and he had an amazing team comprised of family, friends, and sponsors, and communities of people that showed up in droves in every state to help him cross each consecutive finish line. So not only do I get James's take on everything, I also get his wife, Sonny Joe's perspective. I talk to his quite precocious eldest daughter, Lucy. I think she's 11, maybe she's 12, about what it was like for her to support her dad by running the last 5K of every one of the 50 marathons in all 50 states, an amazing achievement uh, for her in its own right. And I get the perspective of his trusty crew guys, these guys, Aaron Hopkinson and Casey Robles, a.k.a. the wingmen. These guys <laughs> became like bigger-than-life characters in this uh, unfolding drama. If you followed it on Facebook, you know what I'm talking about. Really, these guys need their own TV show. So anyway, we get into all of it. Uh, we talk about James's overall reflection on the experience, what it means to him, his family, and others. What was his driving force? How did he fuel himself? We talk about the travel, the chaos, and the insane exhaustion that he experienced. We talk about the impact on his five kids, how he approached recovery each day, what were his lowest moments, how did he keep his mind occupied, how did he learn to accept help? It's very important. And interestingly, we talk a little bit about the controversy and some of the negativity that was thrown his way throughout the course of this adventure. It's pretty interesting. And we also delve into an exploration of the mental strength and fortitude required to complete it and so much more. So a couple things. First of all, I get pretty emotional at the end of this podcast, and that was not expected. It's definitely a first. Uh, so there's that. Maybe that's just an indication of just, you know, what it was like for me to experience this firsthand with him. Um, anyway. You can hear me kind of break down a little bit at the end. And the second thing is I made a really cool video of my experience being there to run the final marathon with him and what that experience was like. For me, uh, I've embedded that video uh, on the episode page at richroll.com for this episode, or you can check it out on my YouTube channel. It's a pretty fun video. I think you guys will like it. And I'm also interested in doing more video stuff. So let me know if, if you like it. If you want me to do more video, I'm happy to do it. It was really fun making this video. So, all right, look, enough preface. Iron Cowboy, Sonny Joe, Lucy, and the Wingman. Dig it. <laughs> it's like a high-pressure situation with a film camera. All this kind of stuff. High production value, man. Go big or go home, right. right? We don't mess around. All right. Well, Iron Cowboy in full effect, Sonny Joe, the wingmen, Aaron and Casey, we're all here, and we're going to wrap it out. We're going to get to the bottom of this crazy 50-50-50 nonsense that Boom. you just completed. <laughs> and a lot, of, a lot of intrigue, a lot of interest in uh, learning more about um, how this all went down, man. So... Super excited to be with you guys today. Thanks for taking the time. I know your life is topsy-turvy and upside down right now, so uh, it's really cool to be able to carve out 90 minutes with you guys and, and hear all about it. 
We're stoked, man. I was, uh, every place that I went to, it was like, hey, uh, how'd you hear about us? Oh, Ritual Podcast, Ritual Podcast. Yeah, man. And so, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was, I'd tell everybody, well, I, I think Rich is going to call me for a follow-up. And so I'm, I'm, gl- <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it's taking place and that yeah, you could well, come here to Utah. sort of observing from the sidelines. How's this going to play out? We'll see. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, we're honored to have you in our house. Thank you. Yeah, cool. So no doubt, like, throughout the whole experience, I was getting messages all the time on Facebook and emails. Hey, I went out to support the Iron Cowboy, found out about on podcast. Um, you know, people were just stoked in every state to turn up and you know enjoy the experience with you and it was really cool to see the evolution right like i mean how many people showed up you know in the first couple states versus you know what we saw in utah which was insane yeah alaska i mean i had one girl that did the whole thing with me and five five people on the on the run Mm-hmm. And then Utah, I mean, we had 400-plus riders and 3,500-plus at the... Were there 3,500? The, yeah. I'm so bad at counting numbers. I go, there's got to be at least 1,000 people here. There oh, were 3,500? No. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. It was, you know, I, I had a lot of think time out there, and I kept, you know, thinking how that, that last day might play out. I was just overwhelmed with uh, with gratitude and uh-huh. felt, the, you know, just felt so loved coming into there. And I thought, yeah, my, my 50 friends are going to show up and ride with me. But yeah. it, was just, it was just super cool to have you know, the state really come out. Yeah. Well, home state, you know, doesn't hurt, of course. But even so, I mean, I arrived maybe a half an hour before you came in on the bike and I saw all the tents set up and the obviously the RV and I saw Sonny and um, and there were maybe, I don't know, 100 or 150 people. And I'd seen the video earlier in the day. So I knew there was a huge group that had, that had gone out on the ride with you. But even then I was like, wow, look at all these people here. And then like every hour that went by, you well, know, I was, it was like yeah, crazier was and crazier Because I, I watched the uh, the little little clip that you put up and you were like, man, this place is, is jumping. And I was like, this is early footage. Like, yeah, I know. Like nobody had even shown up yet. Uh-huh. And, and you were like, yeah, look at all the people. The, the, it just you know continued to grow as the marathon went on. Yeah, it was crazy. And I actually caught some great footage um, on my GoPro. I was running right behind you when you when you finished. So I'm going to cut together a nice little video. It won't be anything as super pro as the Jaybird guys. That was, but, a, cool, that was a cool uh, yeah, shoot. <laughs> it was pretty cool what they did. So, all right. First of all, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, shockingly good. Uh, I, I, I think I felt worse after the, the 30 Ironmans in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it was it was a year long, and I had to transition from athlete to father, athlete to father, and this was just the the fifty was obviously way more intense, but it was in such a condensed period of time, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I I don't know if I just managed my body better or if I just didn't give it time to to go through injury, but I I mean really I I don't have any. Uh, stress fractures. I don't have any torn muscles. Um, literally, the two things I'm dealing with is numbness in my pinky and my ring finger, mm-hmm. and then um, is that from like pinched nerves from riding the bike. It's the ulnar nerve. Yeah. yeah. So uh, my dex, my you know dexterity, like tying my shoes, and I can't I can't open a jar of pickles right now. <laughs> right. And then I've just got some uh, swelling and numbness in my feet. Um, but soreness. No soreness. You're not sore. Um, I'm not sore at all. <laughs> I mean, it was it was crazy. Um, just the way that my my body adapted in that last event in Utah, um, we calculated our my moving time, and uh, it was an 11:30 Ironman, 
and mm-hmm. it was the fastest of the 50. Yeah, that's crazy. Which is, is not. It's mind-blowing to me. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, the crowd, I'm sure, helped and just being home. And well, knowing and that knowing, it was over and you could knowing I didn't out. have to do anything the next right, day. Right, and right, right. I, I was going to my bed and not a motorhome bed. It was a huge incentive. Well, on the run, like that last lap that you took before the 5K, I was like, what is going on? You were, We were like, I think we're running like seven-minute pace or something like we that were, all we, of a sudden. We dropped into low sevens and dipped right under seven-minute mile there for, for a minute. The last three miles before... The final 5K, um, we were sub 22 minutes. Uh-huh. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say from my, you know, my experience doing one tenth of what you did that my fifth one felt the best. You yeah. know, and it's weird. It's a weird thing, and I and I talked about it in my book. You know how the bo- it's almost like the body finally goes oh, okay. Like I, I get it now. Like why didn't you tell me this is what you were trying to do to me? Like you know now i can i can it, it, it adapts it's yeah, incredible it's, it's crazy and, and that's what that's exactly what i experienced out there the first 15 20 i mean it was just hell mm-hmm. um just because my mind knew what it was doing and it uh it it kept trying to tell the body and the body just it just didn't get it right. until until we passed a certain point and you know if you look at my if you look at the last 20 um i was just a, a, a robot metronome i mean mm-hmm. my i would start and finish at the exact same same time every day I mean, that we could predict when I was coming in on the bike, off on the run, I'd have the same amount of miles done before the 5K. I mean, it was just, just like clockwork, and my body finally caught up to what my mind had been telling it, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And it just it just took me a little longer than five. Right, um, <laughs> right, right, right. Just because, I mean, 50 is just, uh, just so big. And uh, so it took 20 for my body to go, oh, uh-huh. there, there you go. That's what we're doing. Right, 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 to finally click in. Well, it's in survival mode. Like, yeah. it thinks you're trying to kill it. I remember I got super bloated and I actually gained weight because my body was thinking, I got to store this food because I'm running out of fuel. Like it was weird. And then like a week later, I got super skinny because it was almost like the body is saying, it's trying to hold on to that. Like it's trying to live, you know, and it thinks you're trying to kill it. Yeah. I went through all these things that you're explaining just on a, just on a bigger level. Um, the, you know, I lost seven pounds the first week mm-hmm. and we went, oh man, we can't sustain this. Like there's no way. And so we just started throwing food at me. Mm-hmm. And then I went through that phase where I was just like bloated and right. just like just I looked like an Ethiopian, just just super skinny, but my stomach was sticking way out. And then we figured out that we had to adjust our proteins. Mm-hmm. Uh, my body was just like craving protein. Mm-hmm. And then once we got all that back in check, I ended up putting that seven pounds back on. Interesting. And we maintained our weight the whole way through. Yeah, like, I mean you look you look the same as you did when you started. I mean, what was there any weight loss from beginning to end? Were you weighing yourself every day? Yeah, it was just that seven pounds in the first week, and then we put it all back on, and then I just, just maintained and held steady the right, whole right, time. Right, right, right. So what was the fueling strategy? Just as much food as we could right. get in me. Uh, <laughs> so just for example, breakfast was uh, two bowls of oatmeal with like walnuts, coconut, um, some agave or honey, and then I'd go do my swim. Mm-hmm. And then I'd come out of the swim, and I would have some variation of um, either a breakfast sandwich or burrito. Um, I mean, sometimes the, the the ambassadors would have just a spread, and I would come out and I would pound two to three plates. Right. Yeah, there's pictures like, on Facebook. Yeah, of these massive plates of food. Plate, plates of food, and I would just shovel it in. So I was getting in like 3,500 calories just before going out on the bike. Right. Just because in the in the evening time, it was very difficult. Um, just my 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 number one priority was getting to sleep just because it ended up being four to five hours a night and so eating just wasn't high on my excitement right. to do list you know right 
And so when I woke up in the mornings, I was just like starving. And I just mm-hmm. couldn't, I couldn't consume so much before the swim. So we'd get in those, those two big bowls of oatmeal and then just post, post-swim, pre-bike. I was just so hungry. And you can't really eat on the run, right? So what do you eat? You got to be eating when you're on the bike though, right? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, we, I would take a break um, probably about right before the 5K. I would come in and I, I mean, I would eat a whole, a whole meal. This mm-hmm. one day you went right. running with this giant hoagie. And he held it in the middle and just pounded it yeah, yeah. through the run. An entire hoagie. It was bigger than a 12-inch sub. There, there was one day I came in, came in and it was in a, a Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And uh, the guy owned a restaurant. And I came in from the, from the, the first portion of the run. And he had uh, just this huge porterhouse steak and a whole thing of vegetables and a thing of mashed potatoes and... I stayed the whole thing. You stayed thing. the whole thing and yeah. then went out and kept and, running. And finished the run, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, so and, and it was interesting because my body had just said, you know what, I, I would rather take the fuel and not complain about it because I didn't have any, like, cramping or weird bowel issue. I mean, it was just amazing that my right. body just said, well, I would, I'm going to take the fuel. Right. And I'm not going to complain about it because I need it. Uh-huh. And what about in your in your bottles on the bike and stuff and in your handheld when you're running? Yeah, so uh, we we used uh, mostly uh, a company called Energy Lab Nutrition, and they had uh, my in-race kind of electrolyte drink. And then uh, I always used in my bottles for the run um, a blend, it's called Blend Fresh, and it was um, organic fruits and vegetable powders. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, it was weird because in my mind I said, okay, I'm near near the end of my day even though i still had you know a huge portion of the run to do but i said i'm going to start taking in these 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 high micronutrient powders um so that my body can start recovering for the next day Mm -hmm. and it was you know you i can't carry around you know tomatoes and and, you know cucumbers and it's just these massive amounts to get what i need and so we had to we had to revert to these you know these powders um but they served just an unbelievable purpose for me because i just got all of everything i needed and mentally, my body, you know, I, I told it, I said, look, you're, you're preparing now, starting recovering. So my fueling strategy on the run was actually my preparation for the next day. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're always eating for the next day. You're always, for sure. You know, yeah, because you're running a, a caloric deficit no matter what. Yeah. Right? So you're always, you're always playing catch up. It's almost like uh, damage control at all times. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yep. So it worked out, man. Yeah, it did work out. You know? I, I was I was really happy. I mean, that was one of the biggest concerns going in was when how are we going to get a, the, the amount of calories that we need? How are we going to get the quality that we need? And then um, are we going to have to deal with GI issues? Uh-huh. And it just never happened, which is what unbelievable. Was, what was the? Well, let's take it back to the beginning. All right, so you start in Kauai. It's Kauai, Alaska, Alaska Washington, Oregon. So you stack the deck against yourself from the get go because you 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 got three air, airline two airline flights two. three airline two airline three flights including flying three Honolulu. including yeah 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 so well and and I ended up flying from California too uh, that was a huge drive from Portland Oregon to right because you had to get to Santa Cruz yeah because it was a ten and a half hour drive and uh-huh. we didn't have enough time to finish the race and then have me travel ten and a half hours so we sent Aaron in a car a day ahead of us and then I flew after the event. And so, I mean, there was, in those initial three, I had... Four flights. Four, yeah. You know, those, in between the initial four events, we had three flights. And, um, you know, had anything gone wrong, I mean, we were under, a, like, commercial, 
like time deadlines. Right. You know, we had, yeah, you we miss had to your flight, it. you're in it's big over, trouble. Yeah. Right. Especially if, I mean, had we had to do that 10 hour drive with me, I mean, that would have ended up being 12 because we had San Francisco traffic. So it was 12 and a half hours. Mm. We didn't get there till 1030 in the morning. I mean, that would have, that would have had me starting at 1030 and then, then you're just way And behind. the next drive was long to Vegas. So we needed that travel time as well. Yeah. The Vegas was eight and a half hours. And, and, and then on top of that, we're dealing with massive exhaustion. I mean, in those first three events, I had a total of seven and a half hours of sleep. Right. All which was on an airline. Because we started that one in Hawaii at midnight. Mm-hmm. So no sleep the, the night before because you're just amped up. You're about to start 50 Ironman, so like, right. like you're going to sleep. <laughs> so I do no sleep. I start at midnight. I do an Ironman. I get three hours sleep, four hours sleep getting to Alaska. We land, lose all that time zone time. Right. Land at six. I'm in the pool by seven finish that one fly out of alaska at midnight land at six in the water at seven and then we had to start the oregon one at 5 a.m because i had to catch that that flight right out. you got to get it yeah. done in time so those first four so yeah dealing so, with just like insane exhaustion right 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 so i'm thinking and you know and i was frank and open about this from the get-go like when i looked at it and you know i knew what you had done previously but i didn't know you personally and i, and I was like I, you know he looks super fit He's obviously, you know, knows how to crank out tons of Ironmans. He's going to be able to do 50 in 50 states. But I'm thinking after that first five or six or seven or maybe maybe even nine or ten, if he's lucky, he's going to have to take a rest day. Yeah. It's just like I just don't see any way around it. And if he meets one sort of unforeseen obstacle that even pushes him back an hour or two hours, that's going to cause a major ripple effect that's going to affect your ability to do the whole thing, right? And it's not like you didn't meet obstacles. I mean, in Hawaii, from the get-go, you had the cops. Like, you had stuff <laughs> happening. You had flats. All, you had a bunch of flats. Like you had four flats. You, it's, it's, so it's not like this was obstacle-free by any stretch of the imagination. You're meeting obstacles every single day. Well, it's crazy. Yeah, we had that. all those things happen in Hawaii, and I'm like, oh, man, this is number one. Yeah. Like, we're up against it, and I knew what was coming in the next several states, and so I was like, man... Just well, hunker down. I'd say to Jay, I'm like, stuff goes right for people all the time. People make flights all the time. People travel cross-country all the time without any mishaps. Why couldn't it work for us? Uh-huh. You know? So even hitting the deer, that could have been really tragic. Wait, where, I didn't know about hitting a deer. <laughs> where did that happen? <laughs> Casey. Oh, yeah. Just clip. Oh, we ended up... We, I will take no accountability for that. <laughs> Casey, wingman number two, <laughs> clipped a deer, and had he hit it with the front... He hit it from the front of the the RV. It would have caused serious damage to the engine. Uh-huh. But he ended up clipping it and just taking out a headlight. So things like that, there were things that happened. Well, that, right. that, that deer... That, so that was what caused a big dent on the front of the RV. Yes. Yeah, so that deer... I didn't know that. Th- that thing totally freaked me out because I was sleeping in the back... <laughs> I was sleeping in the back corner of the RV... And um, I was already paranoid to begin with. Like, RVs are not meant to, like, sleep in it. We were night. an hour outside of Flagstaff, so yeah. we were almost there. Our RVs are meant to, like, travel to your destination, set up, sleep well, you know, stationary. Right. And so, uh, but we didn't have a choice. We were sleeping well, moving. And uh, Casey hits this deer, and he hits it on the right side that I'm sleeping on. And I swear, he, he hit it, and it does this, like, spin pirouette down the right side of the motorhome and, like, hits right where i'm sleeping oh wow and so it was just like this loudest noise and i'm like in this exhausted state of panic <laughs> and so now from that point on all i every time i go to sleep all i can think about is freaking deer you right. have to finish you have to finish this story though james sits up and says casey what did you just hit casey's like nothing, nothing. <laughs> james says no you hit something he's like no no everything's so what fine. happened to the deer did you guys stop 
So no. James said, pull over right now. Casey gets out and he's like, oh yeah, I hit a deer. Yeah. Oh wow, that's a bummer. So Aaron and, and saw then, well, fur flying. Well, and then like two, and then like two days later, I'm in the, I'm in the, uh, we moved me to the the 15 passenger van. We set up a bed in there for me, and I, I think it was two days later, and we're driving down the road. And like this herd of deer comes out. Were you driving? I was. Aaron, Aaron was driving, and he just describes it as like these these deer bouncing in the middle of the road. He manages to not hit any of them, but one of the deer just like took it upon himself and headbutts the side of the van right where I'm sleeping. And again, it was like this giant explosion, and so it just added the my paranoia of deer and sleeping and right. stuff. Which stuck the whole trip. Which stuck the whole trip. And so I'm freaking out every time, like... Every night. Every night. Yeah, just that, that, that's not helping deer. your rest. No, my rest, <laughs> right. So yeah. so it became very difficult for me to... I, I eventually moved full-time into the van only because it was less of a stress for me um, because of the movement was less. But man, those, mm-hmm. those stupid deer. They, just, wow. they plagued me from the beginning. Yeah, I saw the pictures of you sleeping in the van and I was thinking like, why isn't he sleeping in the RV? There's got to be a better bed in the RV. Oh, yeah, well, there's the, no better bed. The, no. the issue was um, the the back of the RV, just that movement is so exaggerated. And... Um, I, I just slept better in the van just because it, it didn't it just didn't move as much. And top and then, of the axles. Yeah, and I'm being right on top of the axles, and and we were also pulling a car behind the motorhome, and it was just so loud. And mm-hmm. so any any bump we went over, it was just like it, it was a like trailer. thunder. Mm-hmm. It was just like thunder going off, and so the sleep was less than ideal. Right. All right. So you get through the initial, you know, five of them. I mean, I, I would think like. You know, are you starting to, I mean, how are you feeling after those first four or five off basically like no sleep? I think, I think because it was 50 when we were in the first four or five, that excitement level is still there. And, and it was so chaotic with the crew and we just, we hadn't figured out what we were doing at that point. Right. Um, and because we did the first two without the, you know, our, our core crew and they met us in, in Washington um, the first two were just, you know, us by ourselves and it was kind of fun and I had still tons of energy and we were excited we were making the flights and then, so it really started in Washington. Um, and, and then that's when the, the, the chaos kind of started because we just, we, everybody started to get really tired. Um, and, and it was just, it was just chaos and, and nobody, nobody was organized. Like we couldn't figure out how to organize or get a flow to the day. Mm-hmm was I think one of the biggest issues. Mm-hmm. That took yeah, I, like 10 states. It yeah, took a long time. To, to, for it to like click yeah. in and you guys are working like a, a you have a system in. Well, we in didn't place. have any help driving so the wingmen were driving all night and crewing all day. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have help with crewing or help with driving. Mm-hmm. So and that figuring that out for them was really tricky. Right. So and well and then the hardest thing for me too is I, well, I've got this monumental task that I'm trying to do and and I became just so concerned mm. about the crew. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's and the I, one thing that you shouldn't have I to shouldn't think have about. I shouldn't have to do. Right? And, and I became so concerned because they were exhausted and having to drive at night. And I kept saying, guys, are you guys okay? And how can I help you? And and, and it became this, well, I'm trying to, I, I had to uh, I had to almost separate myself from, look, I, I have to take the emotion out of it and not really care about you guys anymore, which is really, really, really hard for me to do. Uh-huh. And, and That's why they say never have your friends, crew, <laughs> let alone your wife. You let on your wife and your kids. Yeah. And, and so it was really hard for me because I it, I had to separate myself from that emotion of like, hey, are you guys okay? And and I don't think I ever did it successfully. I, I worried about them every single day, you know, right? just what they were doing. And, and I have, you know, deep love for this whole crew. So it made it really difficult for me because I knew how hard they were working and they were out there because I was out there, right? So I felt ultimately responsible for 
for them being out there. And I'm like, man, if anything happens, it's on my watch, and I'll, I'll never live. Up, you know, I'll never. Right, but the only way to move forward is for you to put that out of your mind, right? And, and, and it was a hard thing for me to do. You know, for people that are listening, I mean, first of all, like my observation uh, just on the final day was like it was working like clockwork like everyone was just like totally tight like it was like a machine so obviously you guys did figure it out but for people that are listening and, and Aaron and Casey maybe you know one of you guys or both of you can chime in here um, you know I think the idea that you know you always hear like athletes say well it was a team effort and I couldn't have done it without X Y and Z and these people but in this case like it is more than you can imagine. And, and the job of crewing for something like this, I can't even fathom, right? So I want to make sure that I disabuse the listener of any idea that uh, the crew job involves just driving the van and chilling out. Like you're on point 24 hours a day. And when you're trying to, you know, tend to the athlete, tend to James and make sure that his needs are met, <clears throat> it's not like there's any downtime it's always what's next what's next what's next you have to think three four five steps ahead and then how are you guys getting any sleep when you've got to then drive all night and get them sorted out for the next day and then be able to uh, be you know alert enough to serve his needs the, the following day and then the day after that and then the day after that it's interesting because they they would play a game called not it every morning and it was uh who who the loser had to go wake me up. <laughs> uh-huh, right. <laughs> and, and no so, one wants to have that dreaded no, task. I mean, it was just, I was so exhausted go, going into every every day. Um, and I don't know how Casey lost every day, but, but he, <laughs> yeah. he ultimately became, <laughs> I think it just became default that Casey was the guy that got to wake me up. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, how did James hoodwink you guys into this job to begin with? Uh, there was no hoodwinking involved. No. It was uh, him just asking, hey, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to need some help, and I'd love for you to help. And my eyes got really big like a little boy on Christmas morning opening the best prison ever. <laughs> and uh, my next thought was how do I convince my wife that this is a really good idea because I have hey. a five, a three, and a one-year-old. Oh, wow. So how'd knowing, that conversation go? Uh, hey, honey. <laughs> uh, I got this really cool idea. <laughs> do you not want to spend summer with me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Uh, she saw that, um, she probably saw that looking at it, that I would probably be so obsessed with it and I'd be texting him every single day. And she knew that when he was doing his 30, I would text him a lot and I'd always ask him how he was doing and how his race went. And I saw how was, how he was doing. And she knew that I would be so engrossed in it that I probably wouldn't give her the time or attention she would need. So she's like, mm-hmm. might as well send you on your way anyways. Right, and so, and you have a job that you could take off for the yes, summer. Yes, I teach elementary school. Oh, okay. So I just got done with my fourteenth right, right. year and teach first grade, and summers are the best for that. So right on. It was perfect. What about you, Aaron? A- Aaron straight up quit his job to come out and do that. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> Aaron's a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got trained with James last year, and about the same time last year is when he asked me. But I only started. I only knew him from like January before. That's so like six months prior to when he asked me. So he's telling me about the project, and he's like, brings brought it up one day. He's like, "Oh, do you want to come with me?" I was like, "Sure." Just kind of not thinking he was that serious about it. That was an easy sell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I didn't think he was really serious because I didn't. He didn't know me that much, and so like, a couple weeks later, it got brought up again. He's like, "I'm serious. I I want you to come with me." He's like, "I need you." So I was like, "All right, cool." So from there, I committed, and then just kind of got more passionate about the kind of the project and. It just all fell in, and then I made it work with work. And well, uh-huh. the one job I <laughs> didn't make it work, just but I already told him I would, and I wasn't going to bell on him. So 
Yeah, and you guys are still you're still crewing. What, what we're like? How many days <laughs> out are we? Four days after it's done, you guys still think it's happening? Yeah, it's, it's still going on. <laughs> so true. They uh, man, these guys they own a role uh, once they once they get it. What was cool about what Casey and Aaron um, that we didn't even know from the beginning was they're complete opposites, and uh, like it's yin and yang with these two. Um, you wouldn't know that though, because everybody's got a beard, and I'm, you know, like when I got to the RV, there's just one guy after another coming out of the RV with a beard, and I'm like, I can't keep all these guys straight. What, what, was, what was amazing though is they just they just complimented each other so well, and uh, when one was down, the other was up, and they just they they knew how to do the perfect mix. Um, they knew when Sunny needed something, they knew when I needed something, and uh, man, it was just. It did take us a while, but man, if you were to watch us over the last 20 races, it was like poetry. Right. Like we got it. Right. And I want to get into Sonny's perspective and the family kind of, you know, take on the whole thing in a minute. But before I do that, hold on a second. Um, I want to ask these guys, uh, what was what was the hardest part of crewing for this? And, you know, your biggest sort of misconception of 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 what was going to be involved. And then also I want to hear something about James that maybe James doesn't even know, like what you experienced working with him throughout this whole ordeal. Come on, dude. Uh, jump in. The, one of the stressors we had coming into this was like really knowing what our role was. Cause we'd heard that we were going to do this and we we're going to do this. And it was like, how are you going to do all this? And my wife kept being like, how are you possibly going to survive? driving and being awake all day and we thought that we were going to be out on the course with them as well most of the time running and swimming and biking as well so there was that that whole like oh and then we quickly realized that um we weren't going to be out there being able to run bike and swim with them like we would have liked to have but it didn't matter because that wasn't about us it was about james Mm -hmm. and so we quickly just threw those things off to the side of the to the road and said well when we have the moment that we can swim bike or run we'll do it but we need to be there for him. And um, so, yeah. Aaron? Yeah, I, th- I think the hardest was just kind of getting the sleep down. And so mm-hmm. right at first, we were just driving all through the night. And so we're running off like a couple hours of sleep. Yeah, I mean, were you ever like, oh, my God, like, what did we sign up for? I had no idea it was going to be, you know. <laughs> I mean, did you have that kind of moment of no, like, it was so exciting I think maybe we bit off. Oh, really? Yeah. I think but at like some point, th- that must have worn off, right? It was, no. it was so minute to minute the whole time for 50 days. It was like from the word go to the Utah finale, it was literally minute to minute. Right. Because we were changing states every time and we we're staying, changing courses and we we're changing time zones. time zones. And then it's like you have the course, but then they change it. And then you have to drive the, the, the Subaru and the van and the motorhome all to a new location right. because the miscommunication was we were supposed to stay there, but no, we have to change. So. It was always something was happening, something was changing, and so you always had to just kind of stay. And it was exciting. Uh-huh. That was the whole exciting. thing. Yeah. And another thing that kind of helped me going is getting to a new state, and then there's all these new people that are just like so like amped up and like excited that he's that we're all there, and so like we'd kind of feed off of their energy uh-huh. and just kind of get ready for that day, and then we'd get to the next day and just start all over again. So right. And and what did you uh, what did you learn about James that you didn't know about him as a result of going through this experience with him? He's very patient with stupid people, <laughs> meaning us. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's many times where he's like, "Where's this?" And we're like, "Oh, Aaron and I learned 
that we never told this. We learned that we just lied to him a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like, he'd be like, where's this? We're like, oh, it's right here. And then we'd go find each other. Like, where the hell is this? Like, I don't know where it is. Do you know where it is? I don't know. And we'd go searching through things. And somehow, luckily, we'd find him. Be like, oh, it's here the whole time. I knew where it was. So we lied to him a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, with that level of fatigue and exhaustion and the pressures of, you know, the relentless pressure of it, you know, having to keep going, uh, you know, you find out who everybody is, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're not going to hide behind some kind of pleasantries. Like, your true character will be revealed, right? The dark, the light, the good, the bad. Um, I mean, what were, were there some moments where... It, 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 it felt like maybe it was starting to break down you know, and you guys had to have a team huddle or, you know, any stories like that? I don't think anything really broke down. I, mean, I don't think so. I think um, it was very interesting the way that Aaron, myself, and Sonny worked together. And our number one goal was James. And we kept that at the, at the head every, t- every day, every moment. James was our focus. And that's why it works so well. Would you agree, Sonny? Right. Uh, it was just, he was our focus. And it wasn't about me and it wasn't about Aaron. It wasn't about Sonny and it wasn't about any of us. It was about James and making sure that he got to 50. That's why he hired us. That's why he asked us to crew for him because mm-hmm. he knew that we would be able to help him reach 50. And as long as you keep that, as long as we kept that in, in the, in, in the in front of our heads, then we were good right. to go. Nothing happened. Nothing. Right, right, right. All right, so Sonny. Get on that mic. Yes, sir. All right. What do you make of this? All this, this whole business. What's going on? (laughs) Say that, Joe, Mama. (laughs) I said I married the guy a long time ago, well Uh before he's Aaron Cowboy. He, I always knew he was a dreamer. Frankly, like as a couple, I'm a more of a structured type A. I like things done certain way. And I remember we were first married. James would throw stuff everywhere. He's not a super tidy person. There's your secret revealed. And uh, it would make me absolutely crazy. First year we were married, and I decided one day, like, I'm going to have to change. He's not going to change. And so I started leaving things as therapy and not putting them away and not, you know. And eventually I feel like James and I came together where he could tell that I wasn't making as big of a deal about it. So he started to make an effort. I started to make an effort, so forth. So this is definitely relevant in our marriage where... I am not necessarily a safe person. Like I want a, a job as an accountant and I want a salary. I grew up, my, my dad was an entrepreneur. Um, but James is definitely a lot more dreaming than I am mm-hmm. typically used to. And so he's taught me a lot about life, a lot about the things that matter, a lot of things that don't. He used to say to me, who cares? Why does it matter? And I was like, I'll give you 42 reasons why it matters. Mm-hmm. And then I'd think about it and realize it didn't really matter. So through this journey leading up to this, he's definitely come my way. I've definitely come his. And so when we take on a big project like this, we work really well together. Mm-hmm. So I was so ready for it. You were ready for it. So <laughs> yeah. when he first uh, raised the idea and said, this is what I want to do, what was your reaction? Well, we were in my friend Dano's kitchen in Chandler, Arizona, getting ready to do the race in Arizona. We just finished Lake Havasu. And he's like, I have this, this, this great... Is, this is during the 30 through... Yeah, 2012. Right, this is race 30, number 20. Yeah, my, my timing may not have been the best. Hey, this is my story. <laughs> okay, so back to my story. All right, how long have you guys been married? <laughs> 14, 14, 14 and a half years. Mm-hmm. So we're almost, we're between the two Arizonas. And he's like, I have this great idea. I want to do 50 Ironmans in 50 states in 50 days. 
And everybody in the room's like, awesome. And I was like, right. do you have any respect for me whatsoever? <laughs> I said, you can't even wait until this project is done. Because 2010 and 2012 were extremely hard for me. I was at home with the kids. Our kids were mm. very little. We didn't have hardly any income. We were living off like $1,000 a month up until mm. two years ago. I mean, we literally were living on starvation basis. Right. Five and, kids, uh, and they're all like... There isn't that big of an age gap. Like oh, yeah. They're all, they're they all right in a row. Yeah, right in a row. And we had our kids sleeping next to a fireplace in one of our houses because we didn't have heat in their bedroom, and they all shared a room. They didn't have any beds. We'd sold them off. I mean, we we came a long way through this. So in 2012, which was a particularly hard year, he for him to mention this, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Because he has no mm-hmm. idea what happened to home. He wasn't there. And I never told him. I never told him about the hard stuff because I wanted him to stay focused on his goal. So I had really good girlfriends that I could vent to and we could go work out in the morning and talk about it so i was so mad he presented it before this project was even Mm -hmm. done so i said you can't talk to me about it till february i figured that would give me some time to heal Mm -hmm. so he came to me in december i said not till february came to me in january i said it's not february and then he came to me in february and said it's february Mm -hmm. this isn't going away yeah Mm -hmm. so he wanted to do it in 2014 i didn't think that was an appropriate timing so we decided on 2015 i said i hate the idea but i'll support you and then, of course, our kids got older. <laughs> I got a little better break. And then we charged this project. One thing I do want to say is that... Um, but you I, eventually came around and you, yeah. you were excited about yeah. it. Yeah. It was just I needed time to recover from that first event. And then we were then I, I was ready. Right, I was right, ready. Right. But I, I do have to say, I went back to school and James supported me through that. And I timed that. I had five semesters left. I squeezed it into four to finish just in time for this project. So while James was planning all this project, he was also taking care of our two youngest kids wow. while I was in school. Right. And he supported me through that whole thing. On top of that, I didn't help with any of the planning of this project. So I set up the initial states, but this guy hammered it out on his own. Mm-hmm. And of course, he had a couple people helping him and stuff, but I give him a lot of credit for that because I didn't I didn't do anything. He really owned this project and he really grabbed it by the horns and he took care of it. So I know that was hard for both of us. I wanted to help him. He would have loved a little more help. But based on the circumstances, we couldn't do it. And he still pulled it off. And I'm really proud of him for that. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a, it's, I think it's a really powerful lesson in, um, in making a dream happen, right? So here you are. You got all these kids. They're young. You're struggling financially. And it's very easy to just say, look, we can't do this right now. Like maybe in a couple of years when we're more stable or, you know, we'll reevaluate. Um, but I think it's, it's really a testament to when you have that dream and you just start moving forward on it, even if you haven't gotten it figured out how, you know, you can make it happen by just, you gotta, you can't wait until it's all planned before you start. You have to start, right? I'm sure you didn't know how you were going to get the finances. I mean, this is a huge endeavor, right? So there were so many moving pieces that had to come together, but you just begin, you believe it's going to happen and then things start to slowly fall into place. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like having a kid. You're never ready to have that. No, first. Never. you're never you're yeah. never ever ready to have that first kid, and you just know that you'll you'll have it, and everything will be okay. And it was like this. This was my this was my baby, um, and I wasn't ready when I started, mm-hmm. um, and I had no idea how I was going to get there. I just knew I'm hey, I'm having this kid, <laughs> right? And um, and it's gonna it's gonna grow into be an awesome adult. Yeah, yeah. I had an observation, um, you know, just sort of witnessing everything that was going on in Utah on that final day. <clears throat> I recently had uh, this guy on the, on the podcast called Ryan Holiday. He's, he's a brilliant writer. And he wrote a book called The Obstacle is the Way. And it's really kind of a modern um, review of the philosophy of stoicism. 
and he kind of looks at the works of like Seneca and Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius, and he's sort of applying these, you know, two, three thousand year old principles to modern day life. And I read that book, and, and so I've been thinking a lot about that. And I was thinking as I was watching you, like, I don't know if you've ever read a Stoic text, but you are demonstrating, you are emblematic of that philosophy in motion, which is really this idea that, um, you know, our culture kind of has it all wrong. Like we're, we're supposed to be, you know, failure avoidant. We're supposed to try to find the easy life. We're trying, we're trying to, you know, make the safe choice so that we don't have to face, you know, difficult times and all these sorts of things. Whereas, you know, your, your, what you accomplished and kind of what, where I see you standing is somebody who, says, no, these obstacles are just there as, you know, character builders, and you meet them as they come, and you find your way around them, and that's the path, right? That's the path to fulfillment. That is how you build character, and how you act in the face of those determines who you are. Well, we, we were expected to fail. Like, that, that, was, that was the overwhelming majority. It was like, we announced it, and it was like, failure. Like, you, there's no way. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. You're just setting yourself up for failure, so why start? And I just like, it just fueled me, man. I just, yeah. <laughs> it was just like, bring it on. Like, I know who I am mm -hmm. and I know what I'm capable of. And so, to just, just to have, it, it was really, it blew my mind the, this, the, the way that the general population that, like, they think, and it's just like, they, they come up with this attitude of, why try? You're going to fail. And mm -hmm. I'm like, why not try? I might not fail. Well, it's an interesting thing too because you think like if you if you publicly announce some aspiration that people will give you a pat on the back and cheer you on, and that's not the way it works. Man. We you know, most lynched. people don't, you know, <laughs> and so you have to choose your the people you surround yourself with very carefully. And that was another thing that I took away from, you know, observing the day is that you had this core group of people around you that were protecting you who held that same vision and and that vision was very strong and the level of focus was you know really palpable like you could feel it like it was in your eyes like this is happening um you know and you were cordial and polite but you were standing in your strength you know there was like a quiet strength about what you were doing that you could feel just being around you you know it was like oh yeah he he doesn't doubt it for a minute i can feel that i was i was so inspired by my oldest daughter lucy um she she was on the last day when I came out of the water. Um, she was doing the the periscope mm -hmm. of of me coming out of the water, and we were, it was a little bit of a pathway walk. And they and they gave me these blankets, and they and I apparently I looked completely pathetic because people on periscope was like somebody carry him, mm -hmm. somebody somebody put him on on your back. Well, and, the Fazari video that you just posted today showed a little bit of that. Like yeah, you were and, in bad shape. Yeah, and Lucy read that. Um, they were said like Lucy, why don't you carry him or have somebody carry him? And Lucy went, "My dad is strong. He's got this." Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I was just like, "Oh, that I've set like just the coolest example." And she gets it. Like she had so much conviction. Like there was no way in her mind that her dad like wasn't going to finish. That wasn't going to finish. And it was just so so cool that I had, the, you know, it's that core support that you were talking about that surrounded me. And and my my daughter just exemplified that it was just like in that moment I was like, damn she's got my back you know she's, she, that's cool. she's ready to go head she's to head ready, with like anybody who says you can't do it she yeah, just yeah, was yeah. like you so know? so just like engrossed in it and she was like that wasn't even like my dad 
he doesn't need a piggyback screw off like, yeah, yeah, yeah dude's got this <laughs> so i was just like honored in that moment I'm like that's my girl you know? she's awesome you. yeah when i arrived and i and i saw you and then lucy was there and she was like i was gonna call you i, I was gonna call you tell you you had to come and i was like you should have called me you she, know? Did. she, she said, said we should get rich roll to do a follow-up interview i said he's doing uh, one she's like well i was gonna say i was gonna call him up i'm like okay i know I saw her outside here too. I want to. Uh, she's like, my mom told me to go downstairs. I was like, no, no, no. I want to get you on record. She keeps the other kids quiet. Uh, okay. Well, hopefully, I can get get her in here for a moment. Of yeah. Yeah. It, it would be really cool because I mean, it was really unbelievable that I mean, and, and it was, it became apparent to us deep into the campaign. She started doing all the five Ks and. It became just this monster goal for her to do all fifty-five Ks, mm-hmm. and there was days where where the, the the caravan, because of long travel, we would have needed to roll out early, and and the whole crew said, "No, Lucy's got to do her five K today," and the whole crew made a sacrifice because Lucy needed to do that five mm-hmm. K, and she did it. Man. She did it, man. Oh, she did it all. She got she did word it. that we were going to leave early. She's like, "What?" We're not leaving that 5K. Not till that 5K, right? <laughs> Let alone, yeah. like, we have to leave before James finishes. Like, she was so upset. She like, hated it. Anytime we had to leave. Hated it. Oh, yeah, that she so would be there to see her dad finish. Yeah, we should get her up here. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how, so how was the family vacation experience <laughs> of, of having all the kids? Where shall we start? Yeah. You know, sort of involved in this whole thing. So, when we saw you in Salt Lake City, I was still feeling really nervous because a lot of these flights were red eyes. And um, I remember when I was young, I came from a family of eight. My mom couldn't handle all the little kids. So we'd get home from somewhere really late and she couldn't carry us in. And I hated that. Like I'd be asleep and I wished so bad that she could have carried me in. And so it seems like such a petty thing. But with my kids, I've always really tried to do that for them. You know, if they were tired, I tried to alleviate that burden a little bit, especially if I dragged them somewhere late at night. So here it is. I'm thinking, okay, there's more kids and I'm going to be able to carry. You know, they've gotten older. I put them on my back and down to piggyback in so that first when we got to LAX I felt all the pressure and stress leave from preparing for this trip so when I saw you I still kind of buzzed and jazzed about what uh-huh. it had taken to prepare and then when we got into um, Hawaii and we had done the red eye flight and we had gotten people on the rental car and gotten in I was like okay it's going to be okay I'm going to handle this so the I was really nervous about the red eyes and the late nights with so many little kids um, it, you know I did my very best to make sure the kids we're having fun. My my one motive for this trip was to make sure they had the best summer of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, that panned out maybe 50% of the way mm-hmm. because I ended up becoming a project manager, which I had not anticipated. Right. So I ended up needing to delegate and deal with some of the business stuff that I hadn't anticipated. But I still really focused on making sure they did fun things. If they said, not another museum, we skipped the museum. We had days that we really enjoyed where we were able to just lay low mm-hmm. and just hang out in the RV and you know do nothing. Um, there were a lot of local people. I'd say the majority of our fun ended up being from locals who prepared and presented opportunities to us. You know, we picked up these tickets for you. You can come to my house. We have a private lake in the backyard. Oh, that's cool. So I felt my burden alleviated big time from the locals who stepped in to entertain us. So we had done some research and had some ideas of things we wanted to do, but the locals really stepped up, and they really made the trip for us. Right. So we had a great family trip. They slept all night long. They didn't wake up till after the swim. They were able to go to the store and spend the money they'd been saving for the last year. Um, they we had a really great trip as a family. Party down. But was there ever a moment where you know one of the kids, you know Quinn's, like, "Can we go home? I want to go home." Or so there's were they two. Just, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's two experiences going on in my mind. I'll try not to get mad about one of them. Just kidding. So one was about five days when our friend Liz, who we, who we're staying with right now, when she came out. 
um, when she was getting ready to leave, Quinn's like, she's going back to Utah. When are we going back to Utah? He's like, I want to go back to Utah. Dad told me he'd take me to get a Slurpee. And I realized in that moment, <clears throat> Quinn missed his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he and James spent a lot of time together normally, and he was ready to go back to Utah. And so I thought, well, that's not bad seven days before. But Idaho Falls. Because dad's around, but he's not really around. He's not. I mean, people don't, I don't think people quite comprehend how it was, obviously. But I got maybe five minutes a day. And if I got time at night, it was fighting for his attention with everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it was impossible. So to get the kids in there, especially where the kids take more effort and energy, we had to really shelter that because James couldn't emotionally handle that much physical stress, emotional stress, mental stress. So we tried to get the kids engaged in what he was doing so they could spend time with him. So they would ride their bike with him or they would do stuff with him so that it didn't deflect from what needed to be done. Right. Um, so the night before we came to Utah, it's Idaho Falls and everybody's outside cheering and having freaking out because James has finished this second to last race and we're going home. And Quinn is in the motorhome having this wicked tantrum, freaking out, screaming, crying. Of course, I can't remember what it is about. And he never has fits. So this one was like, you're caught off guard. And I knew he was just tired and wanted to go home and freaking out. <laughs> and Lucy and Daisy come in and they get in this big fight. I have the entire motorhome <laughs> screaming like and crying meltdown. as I hear the cheers <laughs> of everybody having a party outside the window. And I was like, I hate my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was the one thing I finished that With race. one day left, yeah, though. Yeah, one day left, and everyone's like, we're going home, and there's this big party, and I'm looking around, I'm like... Where's Sonny? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, I'm and then, inside. And then I found out later she was, you know, dealing with a few kid problems, right. and, and but it, th- those were far and few between. Chief um, said, "Where were you?" I said, "Being a parent." Well, one of the one of the things was when we were out there is everyone would ask, "Man, how are your are your kids just killing each other in the motorhome?" And I'm like, "No, man, they're having a great time. Yeah. They're really good friends, and 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 really, we didn't have. I mean, for how close quarters we were, and for how chaotic mm. it was, the kids were just un." unbelievable yeah. and you guys had airbnb was a sponsor right so it seemed like not every day but you had houses kind of periodically where you yeah guys the airbnbs and- didn't work out as well for the family those were better for the crew because uh-huh. they were further away and we only had four hours in the day as the family to do things in order to come back and meet with james and so we used the airbnbs but they weren't as economical as we originally thought they'd be Mm-hmm. So originally we had this vision of what it would be like, and it didn't work out. Like, oh, that you're way. gonna hang out at this yeah. house, yeah? Because it's, like, it's like, why would I go spend four money. hours at the house if I can take the kids to the county fair? Mm-hmm. And then by the time we were done, it's like, okay, now it's time to go back. So we used the Airbnbs, but they weren't a place of refuge like we initially thought they would be. Like right. I was thinking, oh, I'll start my day there, make lunch, hang out, make dinner, pack it up. It wasn't like that at all because <laughs> everything was like minute to minute to mm-hmm. minute to minute. Yeah, it's like a military operation. Yeah, but right. they loved it. I mean, they didn't care that they were on top of each other. They had We had 12 people at a time in that RV, and they didn't care. They right. knew. I mean, the little kids just ran around and played like any other summer day. The big kids were engaged in the project. It was great. I'm I'm tired, but it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. loved it. They had a great time. All right, so Lucy's here. High five, girl. You rock. That Hashtag was awesome. Lucy post. I know. So, fifty five k's in fifty states. Are you sore? Are you tired? Um, How do you feel? I wasn't. I wasn't sore until like the very end. Like throughout the days, like just like my dad, he's like, I just have to get through this. So every time I didn't want to run, I just thought of my dad. And I didn't get sore until like the end when I stopped running. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that that was kind of some work. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Are you gonna Are you gonna be like your dad now? You're gonna have like a, what's your next challenge gonna be? Um, I'm not sure. The bar set high. Um, your <laughs> <laughs> next challenge is seventh grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Surviving junior high. If it's like athletic, most of it is like I do it based off what my dad does. So if it's going to be something athletic, it'll most likely depend on what my dad does next. But I guess, so yeah. that so they know what you mean. I know what you mean. But okay, okay. So um, when my dad does something, I do something in my own way that kind of, I don't know. Like your version kind of Yeah, that. like your my version of it. So I don't think my dad's going to do anything crazier than this. So anything athletic, I'm just gonna have to wait and see, and then like she she loves to run, and so she's gonna, yeah she's gonna start a, a cross country team at her junior high school. Oh, cool! I was gonna say, yeah. were you a runner before this? Um, I didn't do like cross country or track or anything, but I did all the running things with my friend. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And what was the experience like for you of being there for your dad and and watching what your dad accomplished? Um, it was really cool. Um, I loved I loved running the five kids with him because. Um, normally he's home all the time he works from home and so we didn't get to see him as much so that 45 minute 5k that was my time with him during the day and then um i also carried his water so i so i loved it every time i run every time i run i'm like dad i need i need to carry your water so it was really fun that's cool are you glad to have your your dad back now yeah Yeah, (laughs) yes I bet all of your uh, your your sisters and brother think the same thing too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So was it was the experience what you thought it was going to be like? Um, kind of, kind of not. A lot of states weren't exactly what you think they'd be. Like Alaska, it's not like snowing all the time, like Antarctica, and like the West, um, like nothing's like the wild, wild west sort of thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it is different, but a little similar. Like I didn't expect to be with my dad all the time and stuff. Right. So how does it feel to be an inspirational figure now? Um, it's really cool. I'm just kind of, I just am kind of like the leader of my friend group. So it's kind of different to have like random people be like, I love your hashtag Lucy Post. Yeah, tell them about what mm-hmm. the hashtag Okay, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you were like captain of the social media. Yeah, so mm-hmm. me and my sister, we were the social media agents. She didn't really do it as much. It was, she just did her own page. I was doing it with my dad. So every time I posted on my dad's Instagram account, I did hashtag Lucy Post. So that way everyone, every time I posted, people were like, oh, his daughter posted that, not like someone random on the crew. Uh-huh. So it was really cool to see all the people who actually noticed the hashtag Lucy Post. Uh-huh. And then, um, um, and I did hashtag Lucy Post. People were like, um, that's really cool that you're running all the 5Ks. My five-year-old daughter is going to run the one mile with me or something, something. So it's really cool to actually be inspiring people. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you did a great job. Thank Congratulations. you. Thank you. That's cool. I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Hashtag Lucy Post. That's Hashtag right. Lucy Post. All right. keep, keep rocking, Lucy. Um, all right. So uh, I want to um, get into kind of some of the harder moments. I mean, what, what was the hardest state? What was the lowest moment? Or was there ever a moment where you thought, you know, this, this thing is in peril? Um, the, the first, the first real tough moment for me was Arizona. Um, it was race number seven. And, uh, I, uh, I, I was having just a little bit of knee pain, nothing, nothing big. And I'm huge on, on, you know, preventing stuff instead of treating it later. And so I threw on some knee braces that I'd brought along that I'd never used before. And, um, and what it ultimately had happened is it cut the circulation off, um, and so the just the blood and and everything just started to pool um, from the knees down. Mm. And so for for the last six miles, um, I was getting no no blood flow. Um, 
to to the rest of my body and so my my body just kind of slowly started to shut down and um you know i developed uh pinning epidema um explain what that is yeah it's just when the just all the blood pools and, and nothing is circulating um and so basically my calf and my my shin um it was like a softball was in there everything was super super hard um just from lack of circulation mm-hmm. and uh and I just, I became completely out of it and unaware, and I couldn't feel anything from the knees down. Um, and Aaron can, and, and Casey can attest to how, you know, kind of dramatic it really was. And uh, I finished that race just, I don't know how, <laughs> but, right. we, but we did from the help of Casey and Aaron. And um, I remember taking off those knee braces and just went, there's no way I can start tomorrow. Like, there's just no way. Um, I can't feel my legs. Did you know it was from the knee braces at that point? Yeah, we we figured it out pretty quick. Uh, Doctor Dallas was there, and he was like, "No, that that's exactly what caused it. We got to get those off of you." And uh, and he diagnosed it really quick for exactly what it was, and uh, and I had those uh, Normatec boots, mm-hmm. and uh, we threw those on, and we let them run for four hours, four or five hours, and I just slept through the night, just thinking, "Well, it's over," you know. We'll drive to the next state, but I like I can't even walk. Right, and uh, woke up the next morning; and it was completely gone. Right, and I was just like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, that, Wait, that's amazing. A, so, a hope the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Normatec boots work. Save me! Yeah. I couldn't. I, I mean, that's just a huge plug for that's them. That's an incredible turnaround. Yeah, and uh, you know, and then the other one was um, it you slept of, in them all night. I did it for most of the campaign. A lot, a yeah, lot yeah. Of I would run yeah, them for almost every two, night. Yeah, two right. hours. And yeah. for people that don't know, Normatec boots are these compression boots that are they're, they have like uh, industrial grade inflation, right? So yep. they really put a lot of they just basically inflate around your legs and your feet. Yep. And what it, what does that do? It just pushes the so it pushes, pushes so it starts at the ankles and it just gets tight in compartmentalized fashion and it slowly moves the, all the blood up and out mm-hmm. to the heart. And then it like releases and like brings in all this fresh new oxygenated blood, and so not only is it like flushing the, the toxins and the lactic acid and everything out, it's just circulating and bringing in that fresh blood. Right. So did you sleep in those every single night after yeah, that? I did. <laughs> I did. It became it became a staple in my recovery thing, and I, I would run them at least two hours every night. Right. And so so what was the kind of evening recovery? protocol like i know you had so you had like sort of medical help but not all the time right that, that guy wasn't no. there for you the entire no he was only trip. there um four different times on the weekends um and then um and then my massage therapist came in uh two or three times right um and, and then aside from that it was just you know whenever sunny had the energy to work on me um and then um just just the normatec boots mm-hmm. and then sleep when we could and um and just just food Right, so I mean, you got to bathe, you got to get your kits washed, you know, like there's stuff that has to happen, right, before you can hit the sack. Yeah, so uh, one of the challenges every night was finding a, a place for me to shower, and so that was that was Aaron and Casey's job. <laughs> right, they had to have something. And that's super important because oh. you can get infections like crazy. Yeah, cleanliness. You know? I mean, it yeah. was I had to have that shower. Like I was like, where am I showering tonight? Right, and we, we I mean, we would stop at. Um, someone f- that was running with me that night ultimately lived a mile away and they're like hey, you can shower at my house and so mm-hmm. on the way out we would i'd quickly shower and use some random person's shower and right we used tw- uh, a couple times we used 24-hour fitness or, or any time any time fitness like showers right. or you know, someone had a membership and they let us in or right 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 and, and how did you stay on top of saddle sores 
Um, well, I just, uh, I didn't really get any saddle sores. It was more the hemorrhoid uh-huh. um, area. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, it does. I mean, was it, that it, like halfway? It didn't happen until halfway through the campaign, and it just became one of those things that I had to manage. Just, right. it just, it's there. You're going to, you, you just have to deal with it. And uh, it just became a matter of just managing that pain. Mm-hmm. Were you ever like, I can't sit down on the seat? Um, Every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, one of the roughest rides. It's that thing like the first 20 miles are tough and then you kind of settle. Yeah, kind of numbs right? in. Yeah, yeah, one of the worst rides I did was um, in New Jersey. Um, <laughs> it was a horrible day. Um, th- that, that state is one giant pothole. And w- like just a million cracks in the road. And so I did most of that ride standing up. Yeah. Just because every little bump, I was just like, oh, good hell. You know, right. it was just so painful. And, and one of the things that happened was is that you've got big, two big uh, arteries or veins that run up the inside of both your legs. Um, and just from the rubbing on the seat, those had become inflamed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they eventually calmed down. But it was like, like New Jersey was inflamed, you know, in the saddle area, inflamed on the inner of each leg. And it was just so intense and just the worst road conditions. And I mean that was what that had to be one of my hardest bike rides. Those sure. inner thigh veins like almost brought him to tears. Yeah. What like three days it probably lasted? Yeah. I mean like in near tears. Uh-huh. Like he it was hard to control that. It almost got him. Right. They were bad. Let's go to the day when uh you crashed on the bike. Yeah, that would that would be the second hardest day. It was a Tennessee number eighteen. And uh you know that 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 initial fatigue from those early early states we hadn't caught up on it yet um and at that point it didn't look like we were ever going to catch up on it and during the bike ride portion was one of the mentally hardest things i had to do because i would inevitably at some point of the ride i would start to get tunnel vision Mm -hmm. like severe tunnel vision where i was just like falling asleep Mm -hmm. like going out and initially we didn't necessarily associate it with fatigue we thought maybe Okay, is it, is it, why wouldn't you associate it with fatigue? <laughs> well, that would we, seem to be we, the first thing you would associate it with. We we didn't know if it was something I was eating that my body was disagreeing with, or if it was the the temperature that we were in, or if it, it was hot. Ha- it was hot. It was, yeah, it was hot, and and we tried to figure out. Okay, which days are you really starting to tunnel vision? We didn't know if it was um, a sodium or potassium issue, something my body was missing, um, but ultimately it was just overwhelming fatigue mm-hmm. and um it was 106 degrees outside i was about mile 30 um and you know my heart rate was about 103 on the bike 103 to 108 yeah it's super super it super low and and you know you get into those aero bars and you're looking at either the wheel in front of you or the asphalt and it's kind of like mesmerizing you a little bit and uh, when you're swimming and biking you know if you fall asleep you know slow motion you, you know Anybody that says they've like fallen asleep running, that's like, well, you didn't. You you zoned out. You would have hit the ground. Right. You know. I can't imagine you could fall asleep swimming. <laughs> exactly. Cycling, and, I can and see because so, that's happened to me. So I know what that's yeah, like. Yeah, and because but. you can coast a little bit, and at that point of the of the campaign, I could literally fall asleep in three seconds. Like literally three mm-hmm. seconds. I mean, I fell asleep through an entire chiropractic adjustment. I'd fall asleep mid sentence. I'd fall asleep mid social media post. I mean, it, the crew would laugh at me just because. I couldn't make it. Like, if I sat down, I was asleep. Mm-hmm. And so you, in Tennessee, it was 106 degrees. I'm exhausted. I got into the section. I'm, you know, I'm starting to tunnel. And just 
it had happened in the past where I'd started to like drift to one side, but I, you know, it's like when you're driving and you catch yourself and you wake yourself up. And then this one time I just didn't catch myself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I fell down to the right and it was just, a, I went into the ditch and had I been 10 seconds earlier or 10 seconds later, I would have just tumbled through the ditch, but I hit a driveway. And so it was, it was the asphalt. Oh, and right. so, um, hit my head really hard, um, got some good, um, uh, road rash. You can, I mean, you can still see on my hands here mm -hmm. where I hit the ground. And then the worst of it was on my hip. I started to, um, that, that's where I took the main impact. And because I have no fat on me, I mean, it was like bone and muscle just like crashing on the ground. Um, and so that, 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 that began to plague me. And so you I was only, yeah, so it, it filled up with fluid. So sleeping became very hard on that hip. Um, and that was only 30 miles into the, to that ride. And so I had to get right. back on my bike um finish that bike ride and then run a right. marathon that night which we did it's really but it's but you don't like you kind of have a little bit of adrenaline though for that like it's more like the next day right when you wake up and it's super stiff <laughs> was it, it, those were like, words out of your mouth yeah it, yeah it was the next day because you know i got through the rest of that bike ride and i was like holy crap this is so cool i crashed and yeah, i'm back on right. the bike and people are going to like talk about this and um and then i did i ran that marathon that night and it was just like oh crap this hurts and this is going to suck but it was not sleeping that night because like you know just the pain was you know the pain had set in like those endorphins and from the crash and everything are gone and you're in the back of the subaru uh, yeah and that was yeah that was the night i had, we had a i don't know why we we're back there it was a longer drive a long drive. longer drive and so we had to put me in the back of the subaru which is you know no room to do anything in mm -hmm. um and then we had to get up the next day and do it and, and when i woke up the next morning i went oh man this is not good right it's actually amazing you only crashed once i mean how many times do you think you fell asleep and just the sheer with that number of miles like it's almost like you know if you st statistically yeah. you know forget about falling asleep on the bike like something's going to happen and you're going to tumble at least once so yeah for sure I, I was i was relieved um that it only did happen once and and you know when you get a lot of riders out there riding in some of the states that we had and you don't yeah you've never ridden with them before and some people get excited and they're you know they're taking selfies right in front right. of you while riding and you don't know how well they know how to ride you and, know and so yeah. I, I got i got really good at just like putting my hand on people and like moving them out of the way or like i was very vocal too i was like i need some space like you cannot ride right here mm -hmm. um and we had we had four or five other people crash mm -hmm. um around me and one guy one guy was pretty bad um but yeah we you know just to have that one mild tumble was uh was called lucky or call it whatever you want um, right. fate <laughs> when he could have turned into traffic and fallen or he could have could have been really bad he was yeah. lucky he fell to the correct side and you know was there ever a day where you know aaron woke you up or casey woke you up and you're like can't do it man i don't know um you know, every day it was just like they woke me up and I was like, holy crap, it's time again already. You know, just like. Right. And, and, and I mean, because you're probably, I mean, you're, you're probably lights out, like you said, in three seconds and then you're awake all of a sudden, right? Well, and, and they started having to wake me up early because it took so long to get me up. Mm -hmm. Like they would wake me up and give me food and I'd start eating. And next thing you know, the food's in, on the side of my face and I'm asleep again. Right. And, and it, you know, it seriously took an effort to get me up that, during those first 30. And once we got to the last 20 and i had you know maybe either once you're uh, cutting down. Mm -hmm. yeah once you're cutting down and i and i had made a, a very conscious you know mental or physical shift at that point um it became easier to woke me up and the crew the crew kind of knew exactly when that moment was um and they could tell okay waking me up is not as big of an ordeal now mm -hmm. um and i mean there was even one day where i got up early 
and jumped in the pool and the crew was still in the motorhome sleeping and they all got mad at me because right. it was it was out it was so out of routine yeah, yeah. but I was I was trying to surprise them I was like dude I can get I can get done with the swim before they even wake up and so that was a lot of fun for me to, to do it but I guess it pissed them all off <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it threw off the routine yeah it, it threw off the routine but you know waking up for me was was, was difficult in those early stages um, just because I was so out of it and um, yeah you know I had those I did have those moments where I was like I just I just can't do it. And there was probably one moment. It wasn't in the morning. I think it was after a bike ride. It was after a bike ride. And we we were, it was Mississippi. We were all in the motor home and, um, it was just the four of us. And I I remember coming in off the bike and getting in the motor home and just laying there. And I just broke into tears. And uh, I just said, I just can't do this anymore. You fall asleep Mm -hmm. for just a little bit. And yeah. woke him up. And they woke what? me up and I just said, I just can't do this so, anymore. So that was number what? 19? It was the, no, it was after the it was Mississippi. Mississippi. It was the day after the bike crash. Yeah. yeah. So it was 17. Right, right, he right, was right. full on sobbing. Like we didn't even know what to do to console him. Yeah, so like, you're just, you're, you you're, you're <laughs> as raw and as, you know, connected to who you really are as you possibly can be. And I think that's, that's the allure <clears throat> of this kind of adventure, you know, and I know that that's a big driving force with you. Like, how do I, how do I really learn who I am? You know, how am I going to know what I'm about, what my limits are, you know, it's, and, and you made this choice to endure this, to try to answer that for yourself. So in looking back on it now, like, you know, can you articulate uh, what it is that you've taken away from it? Like, was there a moment of self-discovery that is, something that you can speak to you know uh just as far as like the the raw personal side of it it it, you know i haven't i haven't come to grips with that yet um just the the sheer accomplishment and and i'm realizing now post event how what type of place i had to take myself to and and the I've been thinking all week, knowing that we're going to have this conversation. How do I articulate how I took myself to that place and, and what that place was like? Um, just because sitting here, and, and, and that's why one of the, these guys here with me today was because there's moments that I don't remember. Like I had to take myself to such a place that it was just like just a, this like beast mode times whatever you want to times mm-hmm. it by in order to survive and get through it. And, and like I said earlier, these guys can kind of identify or isolate when I made that switch to just like James to like the Iron Cowboy to where it was like, okay, this is his alter ego mm-hmm. and he's out here to accomplish this. And and it's now it's now business. Right. And and when you're in it, there's no there's no time for reflecting upon it. Yeah. You know, I would imagine only with time and distance will that become clear to you. And and I will I will say this one of the one of the things that I did take away from from this whole journey is I everybody served me um, whether it was Casey or Aaron or Sunny or the film crew or complete strangers that that I didn't know that just stepped up to the plate that said it, it was it was amazing every single day on the bike portion or on the run somebody owned just like manned up and said I'm your guardian today without saying it and and, it, and they, they just they just rose up in every single one of the states there was just some some dude that was mm-hmm. just like i'm it like i'm right i'm your guardian today and that, it was just super cool and and for me the biggest takeaway i mean i'm i'm sitting on the other side of this now just going man how how can i serve somebody else 
you know, I, I, I learned how to accept that, just that, that role of accepting and how to take that, just, just take that love and take that, what they wanted to give me. And I wish I could just like bottle this feeling because I don't want to lose that. You know what I mean? And if I start to lose that, I just want to open that bottle and just like take a sniff and be like, okay, okay that's mm -hmm. the guy that I want to be. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was just like, like right now, I'm just like, who can I serve and what, what can I give them? You know, how, how can I give them everything? And, uh, and that's what I don't want to lose. And that, that's my hope is that uh, everybody can have that same experience of being just that, just being served and learning that lesson of how to accept service. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, we talk a lot about giving and being in service, but I think it's, it's difficult to receive it. You know, and I think it's I think it's hard for men too. maybe maybe a little bit harder for women in general, you know, to uh, whether it's accepting help or admitting that you need help or being on the receiving end of, of love. You know, I think that's a that's a powerful that's a that's a powerful lesson. And um, that was beautiful how you said that. man. Thanks. I appreciate that when you're in the when you're kind of when you're in your alter ego and you are the iron cowboy and you have the blinders on and you know the peripheral vision kind of goes away and you're in the zone you know how are you occupying yourself mentally through so many hours where you know even if people are running or or riding with you you know you're you're kind of on your own um you know what's going through your mind yeah it's it's weird you 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 have or I had so much think tank time out there, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, just so That's much. not always so good. No, it's <laughs> not. It's not. I just, yeah. you know, you, you either, you either punish yourself with the things you've done wrong in your life. Um, or you, um, you fill your mind with, um, things that you want to do right and things you want to change. And, uh, I just did just so much thinking and I went through all of the scenarios as far as like, okay, what do I want to do? you know the the biggest and horrible question i got every day was what's next and and i didn't want to articulate it to anybody because i was so like hyper focused on the next step yeah what's and next being is present. getting to the next lamppost yeah exactly and, and people and people just couldn't get that and uh, but for me that that's kind of what i thought about all day long is like okay i'm very present but i need you know what is next and what's next for my family and and you know what am i going to do to set to continue to set the, the best example I can for my kids, and I mean, you know, we were criticized for doing this in June and July, the hottest months of the year. Um, but there was no way I was doing this without my my family, um, and hopefully, people that fo that really followed us um, could see that family's obviously everything to us. And uh, you know, for me to to know that my kids were going to be there at the finish line was everything to me. Like I knew that they were. They were in the state, <laughs> mm -hmm. and if, even if they weren't there, I knew that they were, you know, close by. And uh, one of the highlights of every day was that 5K with Lucy. Um, that was really my one-on-one -on -one time with my family. Even though it was just the one member of the family, it was still that represented time with my family. Um, so that, you know, that that 5K was super special. Um, and just to get, you know, to get through the day, I, I mean, I thought of everything, like. I, I know who I am exactly. Like, like there's no, there's no question. Like, mm -hmm. I so met, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm a, I, you know, I'm just James. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just James. Is there a difference between James and the Iron Cowboy? 
there is um and and i think it's i think that's ultimately why i'm why i was so successful is um you know my my bike kit or whatever i put on that day for athletics was like my superman cape and it was my alter ego and and when i put that outfit on um he knew what his job was and and uh and when i take it off i'm just james mm-hmm and I and I just want to be a, a father to my kids and a husband to Sonny, and that's that's who ultimately I am. And uh, so that was really cool for me because I can. It's fun to be able to flip that switch and, for lack of a better word, be a superhero. Right. Um, but it, to do what I did, it, it took flipping that switch and putting on that that uniform. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even I mean, the, do you feel now you can kind of flip that switch off, and you're at home? And you're with your family is there like what is the emotional experience of that is it relief is it elation is it contentment oh i'm content um you know aside from you know and i hope we get into this a little bit if we have time but aside from you know all of the the negativity that was out there um i know exactly why we did this and i know exactly who I am, I know who my wife is, I know who my crew is, um, and I know why we did this. And um, I wouldn't take back one moment out there. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the negativity a little yeah, bit. <clears throat> there was a little online grumbling, a little, you know, sort of, uh, you know, some negative arrows that were thrown your way. I, I guess it came, I mean, I didn't really pay attention to it. In fact, it was funny, like, when I was running the marathon with you and then I kind of opted out to go talk to your documentary guys, they were like, you know, what do you think of the, you know, some of the things that were being said? And I was like, I don't even know. I didn't even know. I wasn't even aware of it. Yeah. But I guess there was some, some mud kicked up over the fact that you had to run one of the marathons on an elliptical trainer. Yeah. And that turned into Elliptigate. Elliptigate. So what happened? <laughs> what was the big deal here? Well, so um, after that crash in Tennessee, which was number 18, um, I was also dealing with um, just an incredibly painful toe. Um, and so the, it was a combination of a few things. Um, it was the crash and the stiffness of that. We were already pushed inside that day because of um, a hurricane. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, we did the swim, and I, and I experienced some pretty severe cramping that day in the water. And then Sunny was just livid because she went somewhere and came back, and I was, I was asleep in the motorhome, um, just devastated from, from the day before and... And the cramping in the pool, and so we were just so far behind schedule. Um, we finally got me on the bike and um, just tried to loosen up that hip and get it going. And then um, I called my coach, and it was time to do the, the marathon run. And um, I called my coach, and I said, hey, what do you think about if we did, did the marathon on the elliptical? Um, just to, Because in my mind, it was like, what's, what's the overall goal here? And the goal was to cover 146, 140.6 miles every day. And to accomplish 50 in order to raise money for the charity and to continue to empower people and the option was quit you know or jeopardize that bigger goal mm-hmm. um could have i it's more about problem solving yeah nobody was even thinking that it mattered right the thing so we didn't realize it was going to have such a huge impact it was like okay we have this problem let's come up with a solution that was the thinking. So this was the solution that James came up with. 
I mean, matter to who, though? You know what I mean? Uh, like, that's the thing it, is we didn't it know. It only it matters create, to you. We didn't know it created <laughs> you know? such an uproar. Like we right. didn't see. So I, I well, suppose that it would it would disqualify you from like the Guinness Book thing, right? Well, well, but here, that's not really what this yeah, was it's about. Not what it was well, about. Here, here's the reality of the situation: is the media is the one that said it was a Guinness Book. This was never a Guinness record. We've done Guinness twice. We know what it takes right. to do Guinness. Yeah, to do Guinness, you got to have people on on well, site. They the have whole to be. They you have, have to, to pay. You got to pay them a ton of money. There's a lot be, of yeah. stuff. They have to be official events. Like we've done this before. And, and, and what these were, this was a 50 day campaign in order to raise awareness for the cause and to test myself physically and mentally and 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 some for some reason this this elite group out there um just, felt betrayed just, just felt felt betrayed in that i didn't didn't by elite group are we talking about the slow twitch forums yeah yeah those guys <laughs> um they they, yeah. they, they well, we're gonna that, assume we're gonna that, assume it's an elite group that bastion of positivity yeah so and what they the and, and what they said is that i had disrespected the the people that had gone before me and i'm like i don't know these people that had gone before me and well first of all no one's ever tried to do what you've done before right so. and so they were they were they were assumed they they wanted me to follow this 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 rule book that didn't exist, that didn't exist. and mm-hmm. and it was it was the rule book and the perception that they had come up with in their mind and it, it wasn't anything close to what what we were trying right. to accomplish well and we felt like it lacked a little bit of humanity it's like here's this guy that's doing this crazy thing falls asleep on his bikes crashes comes up with a solution to a problem like no one cared about james's condition all they cared about was what they had decided he should be doing from which the, I fe- I from found the comfort of their cubicle yeah from, yeah. Their, laptop yeah, from or the, the, the well, hidden and, screen and, and here's the thing is 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 i was willing to take that criticism to achieve the higher goal which was to continue to empower people and and if 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 anyone out there could see just the overwhelming positivity that comes through our our facebook and our email every day with just the overwhelming incredible stories i mean it was I have no regrets about continuing and doing it the way that I did, and that, and 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 I and I totally could have run, and I probably would have been fine, and the campaign would have gone on, um, but the reality is, is you know, to those guys, I I thought about this a lot because I knew this was gonna this was gonna be a question, and and the reality is, is look, I did 18 consecutive Ironmans, I crashed on my bike, I ran the marathon that day, I woke up the next morning, I swam 2.4 miles. I biked 112 more, and then now I want you to come down and join me, and let's have a six-hour conversation on an elliptical mm-hmm. and see how you feel. And then I got up the next day, and I did 32 more full Ironmans. Mm-hmm. So criticize all, all you want, man. Mm-hmm. But And if you really want to talk about it, come to Utah, and we'll, we'll have a six-hour conversation on right. an elliptical. I mean, how did that even, how did it even get, get on your radar? I mean, did, did somebody email our you coach, guys? Or like, coach oh, your coach told you about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We don't, well, we've never... The upshot is stay off the slow twitch Yeah, we've forums. never. He just yeah, said, I've, this yeah. needs to be addressed. We're like, what needs to be addressed? Like, we had no yeah, idea. Yeah, and, and, and I've never read it, uh, read the, the forums and... Nor will and, we. And nor will we. I, I um, don't. Yeah, and, and I have a policy about not being on. I don't go to that forum, so I haven't even. I did, it's not like in researching for today. I looked at it. I won't look at it. Yeah, yeah and, and and for me, I am a hundred percent confident and satisfied with what we did. We covered, like I said, one hundred forty point six in fifty consecutive days through all fifty states, and uh, it was an unbelievable experience. And I wouldn't change a thing. Mm-hmm. Was there other uh, controversy? 
or was it was it mainly elliptic gate? Really? <laughs> I Does mean, anybody even know about the other controversy? Nah, I, I mean that was that was probably the biggest one. Um, there was just there was some just just stupid stuff about the charity and how um, you know there, there was a couple of people that thought we were stealing from the charity for some reason. Um, when if you link, if you click on our website, it goes directly to Jamie Oliver. Jamie Oliver took their time um, in fully endorsing us, yeah. like um, six weeks. Yeah, and so so we had we were after getting, they committed. Yeah, so. yeah. To, and I know you 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 were you had a little bit of a struggle trying to find the right charity um, we, to begin we, with that you wanted to get behind. Yeah, for. we did, and we and we partnered with them just because I, I love Jamie Oliver's message and and what he stands for and. They're just such a big organization, and then so there's just a lot of red tape, and they want to do things the right way, and so they agreed early on to do it, but there was just some some red tape we had to get through, mm -hmm. and so there was just some criticism early on that you know we, we didn't have our ducks in a row, and that we were just pocketing this this so far this as to like go all the way to sponsors, people contacting the sponsors, yeah, which is just <laughs> oh, wow. just so ridiculous, um, and 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 completely, they, I mean they don't have proof of anything, and right. and we have every record. Um, showing that we've donated every dollar. It was all itemized, right? Uh -huh. On our online. Because you're the organized one. Yeah, yes, sir. right. <laughs> I mean, and, and, I mean, Jamie, yes, the Jamie Oliver Foundation actually had to call some people and, and tell them, no, look, they've they've given us every dollar. Oh, they yeah, still that's cool. They still continue to say stupid. And things. on a personal level, I mean, he, you know, he's been support. I mean, he's been inst he Instagrammed a few times. He did, and, yeah, you know, which is fantastic for us because I, I, I mean, I don't plan on stopping, and we've got creative ways to continue to raise money for his foundation and. And, and I said it from the very beginning, my goal is to raise a million dollars. Whether I did that in the 50 days or whether I did that over the next 10 years, that's, mm -hmm. that's still a goal of mine. Um, and I, I'm 100% with the goals that I've set out to do. And so I, 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 I fully plan on making good on this one, too. Mm -hmm. so, so what's the plan in terms of continuing to fundraise? Like, how's that going to work? Yeah, we're going to do... Um, oh, make him wait. Anyway, you don't no. have to. <laughs> well, just a, uh -oh. just just a real simple one is I'm going to go speak in schools. We can't gonna, tell him everything. We're going to do. We're going to. Well, do. oh, big shocker! He's going to go talk in schools. <laughs> well, go. Of course he is. <laughs> we're going to we're going to go talk in schools and corporations, and we're going to do fundraisers inside those schools, and then okay. do some corporate matching, and um, we're going to run some Iron Cowboy events here locally, and mm -hmm. and some virtual stuff through the, through the country, and and all, all the all the proceeds and everything and through some of the the website sales and stuff that we do and all my sponsors um for example we're we're going to put up on monday a, a rudy project uh 40 off um week-long thing and all that money is going to go to the to the charity and oh, so cool. all of the sponsors are stepping up and saying hey look um we we love what you do we want to continue to help you raise money and we're going to donate a portion of sales to it and so you know i've got great sponsors and so great sponsors great products we sell them we make more more money for the charity and so there's 10 different ways that we're going to do it and um there's, there's some right. some fun ones that you don't know about and it's got to be gratifying it's been cool to watch just in the last two days how how finally the national media you know has kind of caught on to this i mean you were on fox you were on fox fox news that was national right it was national did, we did a couple did fox australia is that what you were doing they were uh -huh. there were a couple a couple different morning shows in australia where i had to be in salt lake at uh, eight thirty at night for their morning show mm -hmm. um and then i just got a, a text right before we started that uh Fox Sports Radio Show wants to do a half-hour spot with me, and so awesome. that's, that's really cool. That's great, man. That's awesome. I don't want to be the only guy in the media covering you guys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thank God. You know, like they're they're finally figuring it out. Because I, you know, when I was walking around the the base camp, I'm like, where's the Today Show? Where's Good Morning America? Where's ESPN? Like, why isn't 
why isn't anybody here to actually cover it? I mean, you had local affiliates and stuff like that, well, but crazy. it wasn't I like... I want to have a conversation with Dean, because that guy's been on every show on the planet. I want to know how he does it. Dean, oh, Dean Karnazes? Yeah, I'm like, how does that... How? Yeah, he, I mean, but it took him many, many years. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. He had he had like a resume of other crazy stuff that he had done, so that by the time it came to him doing that, running across the U.S., he had all this street cred, you know? Yeah. So I think it. a lot of it is just that <clears throat> this was the first super crazy thing that you had done and so no one you know it's like it's a big ass to, to get people on board with that idea yeah. when it's such a question mark you know what I mean yeah. so but they're all happy to pat you on the back once you've finished sure. you know what I mean yeah. once we, the work is done so, we saw a lot of that <laughs> yeah 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 but, it, but it's cool I'm, I'm really glad for you that the message is getting out in that way it's great yeah and what's, what's more important to me is um, obviously national recognition is, is fun um but what's fun for me is the the message that we're getting f- from like global, like all corners mm-hmm. of the earth. Like, it's way cool on my Facebook page to get those private messages, um, just from individuals. Um, and, and and also we've set up uh, we've set up a, a dedicated email address. It's called Iron Cowboy Inspired at Gmail dot com. And anybody that wants to share their story with us, um, if you've been inspired or or um, have done anything that you just anything to share anything with us, it's. Uh, you can you can email us at that web. That's website. awesome. Yeah, That's very awesome. cool. It's ironcowboyinspired at gmail dot com. Yeah, cool. And I'll put that in the show notes for people so cool. they can they can dial that up. That's great. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, this really was a social media experiment. You know, when you guys started. Uh, how many people did you have on your Facebook page? 8,000 8, 8, or something like that? Yeah, and then we're... You're we're at like 60... 60-something 60, 60 60-something. So yeah. you were picking up like 1,000 to 1,500 people a day, a day in the last month. You yeah. know, it was crazy. And meanwhile, no television coverage. You know, I don't know what it was like when you were in the various states. Maybe there were some local TV stuff. But right. on a national scale, nobody knew what was going on. You yeah. know, and this was really playing out on Twitter and Facebook and people from all over the world were gravitating to your page. And I know from my personal experience and some of my friends, like I'd call them, like they're not even athletes and they're like, yeah, my aunt, you know, in wherever called me and said, do you know about this Iron cowboy guy? <laughs> and like, you know, so people were fun, like people that have no relationship to sport, let alone triathlon. That was one of the were hip to things. what was happening yeah. as it was playing out. And it really was this thing where every, I mean, I know that I was, and I know lots of other people. Like when I woke up in the morning and opened up my laptop, like first thing, Iron Cowboy page, what's going on? Where is he? Is he alive? You know, it was like it was like a reality Did show. He start. You know? Did he start yeah, today. No, right? Well, and that was that was the. Really, Did you have a sense of that? You know, I was in this giant bubble, um, and I started to get a sense of it probably between forty and fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was it was during one of those states that I can't remember which one, but there was a sixty-year-old lady um, that showed up at the pool. And uh, and she just said, I just want to swim 50 meters with you. And I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> I'm like, you know, because I respect my elders. And I'm like, this woman who is just like wise in her life. Right. She's um, not on the slow twitch form. She's not. And she's, <laughs> you know, she's, 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 out, she's outside of that triathlon world that, that we've crossed over into. And I just thought, man, this is the coolest thing. And so she jumped in my lane. And I just swam, I just matched her stroke and we swam 50 meters together mm-hmm. and I, I gave her a hug and she got out of the pool and I finished my swim. Right. Um, but it was just a real cool moment for me to just say, oh man, this lady just wants to swim 50 meters with me and, and that impacted her day, you right. know, which is cool. That's cool. 
Um, but there had to be, was there like a strategy about how you were trying to tell the story online? Like who was responsible for making sure that pictures were going up online? And I mean, because well, you knew like people are waiting, they want to know. I mean, you know, Aaron, Casey, were you guys doing that? I mean, I know, you know, Lucy's on it. So in, initially during that first week, um, it was just so chaotic. And we, we had someone that we thought was going to be doing that that for us. And they completely dropped the ball. Um, on that and we had sponsors that were calling in that were upset yeah, friends and, are home yelling at us and, we're like what are you talking about and we, and know we just had we just had no idea and people were like what is going on out there people want to know and then yeah and early then, on you guys were spotty yeah, yeah totally we, we thought it was being handled and we thought it was being it handled and, and we had no idea and then all of a sudden everybody just said what's your login and yeah. and then we just created these like little tiny teams and and it it actually worked out so incredible because we created these other storylines. I mean, the wingmen got this following of their own, right. and people that, that, that mythic. Were, yeah, I mean, they were just like, yeah. like I'm people like what? they're wearing like grass loins right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, it just became like, what are the wingmen going to do next? And so that became something that people tuned what in for. What are the wingmen going to do next? Yeah, and then yeah, exactly. We should talk about that. And then it became like it's like what Sunny's perspective, what she's doing, and then hashtag Lucy post, and then. And then people the were waiting, to, you know, and then and then Dallas. and then Doctor Dallas's messages. People really loved to to get his perspective, what was going on, and then and yeah, then the and then Rivers and then came Rivers in halfway through. Tell and, everybody who Rivers is. So now we're getting eight posts a day, right? Yeah. yeah. So and Rivers is uh, an, an ultra sponsored athlete like I am, and um, and he came out just just to say you know what i'm I, just I, to help just to help and i've got your back and he, he he's was like an elite marathoner yeah he's, a, he's, athlete, a, he's lives a, in flagstaff yeah, he's trains a, there he's a 220 you know marathoner and just just a really cool guy and and i met him in arizona and he did the did kind of the day with me um and he just had like massive doubts that i could do this and uh, he did about, on a mountain bike by the way yeah he biked oh, with yeah. james and flagstaff uh -huh. on a mountain bike. And, and about halfway th about bike. halfway through our ride together in flagstaff he was like no i think this guy's got it and um and but he needs my help and so he called ultra and ultra said yeah okay go out there mm -hmm. and he became you know ultra's social media guy out there um and really became you know he was my, delightful he became my he, confidant he was, out there yeah he was cool i spent a lot of time with him running. and so he started doing this just these like really deep blogs about what was going on with me because he probably had the best um first but, yeah he had the best seat in the house because he would come out and ride with me or run with me um, and he would he would really see my vulnerabilities, and I would open up to him, and we had some great conversations, and and so he was able to come back and really articulate the emotion that was going on out there, and so people started to gravitate towards his blog and what he was saying, and so you know about about that moment is when we had the wingman became popular, and the rivers blog became became really um, well respected, and David, my coach, and David Warden, his. His blog was getting some great attention, and now we're starting to click with some great social media, and people were engaged with Sunny's side of it, and, and so it just became, you know, well, the we kind of got it together. The real people sharing honestly, sure. you know, so there's an authenticity there, yep. you know, that's And people could start to feel that, yeah. Right, and I think that's what created that, like, emotional connection where people were really locked in, you know, it was really cool. So when you were in the, you know, when you were having those vulnerable moments, um, you know, what are... What are some of the tools or, you know, what was the facility that you tried to employ to, you know, just get to the next lamppost? Like, what kind of mental tricks did you have to play on yourself? Like, I think people who are listening want to know, like, when the rubber was meeting the road and, and you were, you know, having these dark times, like, how did you break past that? 
Um, I think once I switched over to the Iron Cowboy, you know, about halfway through where it was that alter ego, um, I no longer had to, you know, I didn't have to, I didn't have to do those moments. It just became, that's today's task. And it was just, it didn't, it didn't matter at that point. But that's easy to say, you know, that's easy to say, like, like how did that actually work? You know what I mean? Like, like when you're, when it's, you know, late at night and, you know, the peripheral vision is closing down and you just want to lay on the pavement and fall asleep in three seconds, how are you, how are you getting through that next mile? Or when you're on Ironman 30 and you can celebrate that, but you also realize you got 20 20 more, how do you like, how do you grapple with that mentally? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know how to articulate that yet. Uh-huh. Um, That's okay. I'm not. You don't. You don't have to. Yeah, you know, I'm just interested in. It, it's one of those. It's one of those things that I that. I turned into a, a bit of a zombie out there, um, and I don't remember a lot, like you said, but if, especially you know, thirty through fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it, it became, it became so overwhelming that that was the task at hand, and. Uh, I've said it, but it, it's it's my kids. Um, um, they they literally drove me to the finish line every day. If your family had not joined you on this trip, do you think you still could have done it? I would have found yes, only because I would have found a way to involve them in my mind. Mm. Um, did it make it? a hundred times easier because they were there. Absolutely. Um, whether they were there in person or in spirit, they would have still been there and that would have still been my driving force. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and the, it was being accomplished either right. way. There's a weird thing that happens when somebody does something extraordinary uh, where the reaction to it um, is to celebrate it but then also, perhaps because it's difficult for people to wrap their brain around doing something like that, the next impulse is to say, well, he's just a freak of nature. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you start out as, you know, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm in every man. I'm a guy just like you. I got kids. I'm married. And somehow that gets lost in the result. Yeah. And then you're like written off as somebody who's different from everybody else. Yeah, there's, and I don't know where to draw that line, um, because I mean we've done every physical test. I'm like, there's nothing, like outstanding about me, like across all levels. Like my VO2, but there is, but well, there, but there is in the sense that I think it's that, something that's not measurable. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a test out there that that can test it. I'm just saying, like, right, you're phys- not going to get on a treadmill and and and, and show numbers that yeah, you know, like, oh, you got a Lance Armstrong right, type VO2 exactly. max exactly. And like so, that. like, you like any physical test that can be run on me, like I'm just as average, plain Joe American as you can. And and I think that's what if I could bottle it, I'd be a millionaire. Whatever that that thing that we're that we're trying to identify right now, like, what is it? What is it that separates me that allowed me to do that? Um, I don't know if it's the holy grail of, of a question that we're trying to figure out. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I have the answer or if Sonny has the answer. Yeah, or I mean, but where, so where does the drive come from? Where does the focus come from? What's, what's fueling this? Like where, when, you, when you first had the idea to do this, what's behind that? I just thought it'd be fun, man. I, like, <laughs> like, I mean, I said it in the first podcast that uh-huh. I wanted to find my mental and physical strength, and you said, oh, you're going to find it. 
Uh-huh. Um, and you did, yeah. No, absolutely, I did. Uh-huh. I mean, there's there's no question. There was. Although you, know, you could have done another. Uh, you look pretty good when you were finished with fifty. I, you could have gotten up the next day and done another one. Absolutely, I could have. Uh, there, <laughs> there's no, there's no question. Um, I mean, sitting here one week removed, it's like, man, how did I do that? But when you're in the yeah. moment and you have to get a job done, had someone said, "Hey, you, you know, you got to do that again tomorrow," I'd be like, "Oh, this sucks, but okay, I can do mm-hmm. it." Um, and, I, and I probably could have kept going. And, and who knows? I, I, I joked and tortured myself. I'd, like the ultimate test would have been, okay, the goal's not 50-50-50. It's how many Ironmans until you stop. Right. <laughs> you know? And I was just like, what, like, like to really find your Is break- that what's next? No, it's not. Okay. But like that, that's, that's truly, that's the breaking point. Like, well, how many, like, well, how many is it? Yeah. It wasn't 50. Right. You know? Right. And, and I'm, I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that was easy. And, and, I, and I walked through 50. Um, but it's like, well, what, what is the number? Like, mm-hmm. what is it? And is, what, did I make it through 50 just because mentally that's what I said I was going to do? Mm-hmm. And that's why I made 50? But, you know, you know back, to the, back to the thing that, that, you know, people say that I'm special or have a gift or I'm not average. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Um, I'm, I guess I'm still trying to figure out how I did that and, and what it was that allowed me to do that. And I think it's, man, it's a space between your ears. I mean, that's what it has to come down to because there's no test out there that, that can quantify what that is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I've been trying to figure out how to articulate is the space that I occupied and, and what it really took for me to accomplish that. Um. Yeah, to be determined, I guess. Maybe uh, Aaron or Casey can weigh in on this. Like, if you had to articulate what makes James special, I, I think I think they probably have a unique perspective, and even I think even Sonny should weigh in on this because it when you I mean you know it you you've accomplished big things and you're rich and you just go out and you do it and I'm James and I just go out mm-hmm. and I do it and for us it's not like I I still don't. I still don't understand the enormity of what we did. I'm told it was big. You know, I'm told that that was one of the biggest human athletic feats that this world has ever seen. But to me, I'm just like, no, it can't be. I mean, it's just like, I'm, I'm just James, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I mean, I love and respect these guys. I'd be interested to hear, you know, what they yeah. say or if they even have anything to say. What do you think? This um, is Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> Wingman one is what we call him. And I'm going to try to take you seriously, even though you're basically sitting next to me naked in a grass. <laughs> we got speedo. our plant-based speedos going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what I really love about James is just how I don't know if we even have words for it, but it's just basically the guy he is. He just has his love for everyone. I mean, he wants to help you out. He wants to do everything for you. And so he's just like an ordinary guy. That's kind of what he's trying to say. But in the end, he wasn't trying to get any kind of recognition for this. Like, if he would have had like two people at the finish, he would have been happy. I mean, he didn't care if there was a million people there or one person. He is just out there doing his thing, and he just wanted to finish. And he just wanted he just had the main goal of this the childhood obesity. So mm-hmm. I think that was kind of his driving thing because he wanted to bring awareness for the cause. Right. And, and what did you learn 
about uh, about yourself, or what did you take away from the experience of supporting James in this mission? The biggest thing I learned is this: anything's only as impossible as you really think it is. And it doesn't matter what other people say, and doesn't matter what the world views, but if you have a goal, it's only dumb if you don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the things that came up in our first podcast that you had said, which is, it doesn't matter what your goal is. Like, if you don't have total conviction and belief in it, it doesn't matter. Yep. Right? What about you, Casey? Uh, <clears throat> the the thing I got learned from James is just uh, the conviction aspect of it. Because uh, if you're not going to be... If you're not convinced yourself that you can do it, you're not going to. Um, luckily, we didn't have to worry about the failure aspect of it. But I think a lot of people shy away from things because of failure and not not seeing failure as a positive thing. And um, in teaching, uh, failure is actually a great thing. Um, just from the experience I've had over these years of teaching is that when you fail, that's when you find out where your weakness lies and then you can make that a strength. Uh, I'm glad we didn't have to go through that at all. Uh, Mm-hmm. But it was it was cool just to see his um, determination, really. Um, a lot of people don't have that conviction, I guess is what it comes down to. Sonny, what do you think? Okay. What did you learn about your husband? Also, I'm also curious uh, about uh, how your kids took it when they would see their dad like in bad shape or like super tired. Was that ever scary for them? No, they laughed. Yeah. <laughs> there's, some, there's something about seeing him vulnerable like this was the first time I'd ever seen him cry he cried every day when he spoke right. at the 5k I've never mm-hmm. seen him cry never seen him vulnerable for, for me the I don't know if anybody else saw it but there was it was early on in the campaign and I was suffering and Quinn as a 5 year old um, it was the first time I'd seen him really, like he saw his dad in pain and, and he he came up and he just started crying Oh, yeah. And I don't know if anybody else saw it. I remember it. this now. Yeah, it was, it was, it was maybe early maybe Vegas on. or... It was early on, and he was just so, you know, he he still remembered that, that relationship with his dad at home. And, and when he saw me hurting, I mean, he just had this, like, deep connection to me. And for a five-year-old just to, like, start crying because his dad's hurting. And just that, that connection was just so sweet to me. I remember mm-hmm. I said... You're okay, right, Dad? Yeah. You're okay. Yeah. So that Quinn would know. And then Quinn said to me after, he, he's going to be okay, right? I was like, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be okay. I think it was in Arizona. It was early. It was, it was like, there, it was I remember it being yeah. Vegas time. Yeah. yeah. They they just, I mean, the older girls, they loved it. And every time he cried, they loved it. Because, I, I mean, we don't see him that, that vulnerable. James and I have always been really great problem solvers together. And so if things came up that were hard, we problem solved. We didn't wallow in it. We didn't cry about it. We just addressed it and figured it out. So to see him vulnerable, these weren't problems he could solve. They were problems he had to just tough it out through. And mm-hmm. I mean that as an everyday being an Ironman, Iron Distance Triathlon. Mm-hmm. Yes, be, per very, se. be very careful. Per se. And elliptigating, per se. But that vulnerability was really, that was good for the me, The cease and too. desist letter is in the mail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I is. can't believe I haven't got one yet. <laughs> Um, but I think the thing I learned best about James is that he was a lot more dependent than he probably would have let off to be, you know, like he, he needed the emotional support. 
So our friend Kyle showed up in Las Vegas and he said, James needs somebody to take care of him. Mm-hmm. Not get him his stuff, not make sure he has. He needs someone to love him and he needs to know that person's there to nurture him. So that's something that he, I mean, he's kind of always needed that naturally, but that was shown really strongly through this course that he needed emotional love, but at the same time, he didn't have time for it. So we had to get creative as a family how to show that love to him and that emotional support without infringing on, you know, a time frame. Well, mm-hmm. and that's when the that's when the wingman antics really amped up. Yeah, <laughs> is that was their way of showing. He hated him too. James hated him in the moment. <laughs> yeah. He was so annoyed. Oh, yeah. It was so annoyed. So annoyed. Was, yeah. So annoyed. But, but you know, obviously being removed from the situation and looking back, that was Casey and Aaron's and and the crew's way of saying emotional support. We love you. Yeah. We love you, and we're still. We're still here to play with you. Yeah, we're, we're your friends. We're yeah. not just your wingmen. Like we're here as your friend. Remember us? We used to play together. We understand that you're suffering. We know you can't play back, but we're <laughs> going to make you suffer. <laughs> we're, we're gonna, you know that was that was their way, and and I and I knew that at the time, and and you know once we got into the last ten, I started to be a little bit more playful, um, but it was you know. 10 through 20, I was like, come on, guys. Right. Yes. Seriously. When for me, it was hard for me because there were so many people around. Like, it was hilarious. I listened to the first interview last night with you, and he'd said, the motorhome is our space for our family kind of thing. There was not a minute that no. thing was not That's- a public place. <laughs> I mean, it was insane. I went in it, and I was like, oh, oh my God. God. It was crazy. It was like a war zone. disaster so, in there. Really? Yeah. So it was my, it was funny. One of our friends said, I expected it to stink. And I was like, oh, he's like, it's not that bad. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's not that bad. He's like, I thought it would stink. <laughs> Steve Gray said that. So we did we did everything we could. I'd spend 90 minutes every night getting that cleaned up and prepared for the next day. But my way of showing emotional support was just being there with James. So I would have to fight the crowds to go back and just lay by him. Or I'd have to fight the crowds to just see him in transition. Anything like that where I thought, I can't do anything. But just seeing him, touching him once, even if it's for 30 seconds, it, that's all I can do. One of, one of so. my favorite pictures was um, when I'm laying there asleep and my son is falling asleep on my on my stomach or my chest, um, and I just look at that picture and go, "Man, that was a that was a sweet moment." You know, mm-hmm. um, even though I was asleep, I was just it, it, the moments were so far and few few between where I could just like sit with one of my family members. Mm-hmm. Who's interesting is Dolly, our fourth little daughter. She's like sassy and so fun. I bet like, you want to see hi to dad. No. Just all in her lollygagging way, happy as could right. be. I already said hi to him. I said, like, she didn't have any, she was just happy to be there. She's on her own trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was. She would say hi to James and give him a hug and be on her way. Yeah. She never felt any disconnection. She just was happy to be there. It, it, you know? it impacted Quinn the most. Yeah. yeah sure. He's the one that spends the most time with James. And the older kids, of course, they understood. Uh-huh. So it was different. <laughs> so uh, David Goggins, like legendary ultra endurance athlete famously said something that's always stuck with me which is <clears throat> when you think you're cooked you're completely done and you can't go on that you've actually only accomplished about 40 percent of what you're truly capable of and i would imagine that you would agree <laughs> with that sentiment maybe change the percentage, percentage number <laughs> yeah i, I, I would but, have said one through 20 I, I was cooked completely yeah um and then somehow we figured out how to do the last 30 and over the last 20 we became stronger and over the last, you know, on the last one, we put forth our best performance. Right. And so, and when we were when we were running, you were sharing with me a little bit about how you you would you would use some mental tricks, like when you had 
when you had like 11 to go, you would say one to go, one to, to, go, to, one 10 to, go to 10 to go, you know, just a way of breaking it down into, you know, bite-sized chunks that you could like mentally compute. Um, but if you had to kind of estimate how it, how the challenge broke down in terms of physical versus mental, what does that balance look like for you? Like how much of the struggle was mental versus physical? I could only get my body um, so ready physically. Um, and then once w- once it was at that level of readiness, um, it was a matter of just just making the body perform and doing what we needed to do to make sure that the body didn't break down. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, this thing was 80% mental, um, if not more. Um, the, the body was going to do what it was going to do. And I, I've proven to be durable, um, but it's because of the small things that I do. Um, but it, it was it was it was definitely a mental thing, and that's that's the part that we can't, you know, we haven't been able to put our finger on or quantify. Um, that that separates me. It's because it's a space between my ears. Um, and like I said, I I'd be I'd be rich if I could bottle that and mm-hmm. and sell it to people. Have you always had that kind of ability to focus, <laughs> that kind of mental fortitude, or have you trained yourself to get to that? place his wife says yes you know i think i think it's i think it's something i mean what were you like as a little kid yeah you know i I think it's definitely something that you're born with um but like any talent if it's not developed it goes it goes wasted and so i grew up wrestling and wrestled 11 years and i think that was the start of of building that mental toughness um and then i think just by by fluke or chance through the first two world records through the the half ironmans and the full ironmans um it, it just continued to be developed. And so it, it wasn't something that I set out to, intent, you know, a skill set that I was like, you know, I'm going to develop this. And I, I realized I have it. Um, now, I, I mean, I now know that obviously I, I have a gift um, to be able to control my mind and do mindless tasks <laughs> yeah. or, or, or uh-huh. suffer in a way that, that, that many, most can't or, or have a can do attitude during the whole process. I think that's, I think that's the other thing that I, that I learned about myself is, um, you know, deep in the campaign, I could have been this miserable miser- miserable than I was, um, and I could have treated people um, worse than I did. And I think that was one of the highest compliments that I got was every single day we we involved in, and had massive interactions with the public, and um, and it, it didn't take an overwhelming effort for me to do it um, to be you know to interact with people and. At times it was hard because I did have the same question every single day. And, and I had a conversation with Sonny that had about, look, I think it was race 41. I said, we have to realize that this is our 41st experience of this, but this is their first experience mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And so, so we really tried as a team in an effort to make those individuals on that day feel special. Um, and feel like it was their first experience. It was impressive uh, to watch that because I could I could get that from the Facebook feed, um, and you know to be able to be present and put a smile on your face and take the selfie and you know do the five k and put your arms around people when you're in the midst of trying to do something that they can't even fathom and well, everybody wants their moment with you. That is a very difficult and I took every, tightrope I took act. every selfie and I signed every bib. And I think that's what a lot of people, the slow twitchers, don't understand is this wasn't your, your regular average endurance thing where I was just going out there and trying to endure. It was something that just on a whole other level where we connected tried to, to connect with the public and do something very different. 
I mean, to go out there, we could have just just hammered through the days and ignored the public and mm-hmm. and gotten through and got to the next state and had and, some and good save time and saved time mm-hmm. and had some good rest and got some food in there and had some downtime with the crew. Uh, but the reality was, is we took that time every single day, and, and and that that's what was important to us, and that's where we got the exposure, and that's how we raised the money, and so that was that was critical time for us. But but it was just such a huge um, expense for us as far as time during the day was, which impacted my recovery, my sleep, and everything for the crew. And we got compliments every single day because of that aspect that we tried to incorporate in this journey. Mm-hmm. And I tried to take responsibility doing as much of that as I could to relieve James of that. So I knew that if people could come to me, they wouldn't need to ask James as many questions or mm-hmm. get as much information from him. So I did everything I could to do as much visiting during the 5K or pre-5K to answer any question. You know, yeah, it's the like basic a politician. generic it's stuff. It's like a politician on a whistle stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you, get, you need a handler to like pull you out yeah. so that you don't have to, so that you don't have to be the bad guy saying, I can't take more pictures. Well, then I, would, then I would answer the repetitive questions uh-huh. so that they weren't asking him. If they had to ask him a question, it would be a little more, you know, heartfelt, like a more unique question. So I tried to do as much of that as I could so that they didn't all turn to James. Yeah. Utah was the very first state that I said no to pictures um, while we were doing the event that they had to wait till the end because there was just so many people. And it was hard for me to say that no, and I felt horrible when I did it. But you it would have to, though. It there were just, way too it, many people. Yeah, it would have just mean, started I, this I heard onslaught. you say it. I mean... It, you handled the whole thing with a lot of grace, you know. And then, and then, so, and then, what a lot of people didn't see is we were there till ten o'clock at night. No yeah, way. It was and like ten forty-five. That's why I had to in, get back on a plane, yeah. and come yeah. back here because yeah. you lost your voice when you texted yeah. me in the morning and said I can't do the podcast. Yeah, I was like, that guy probably stayed there until the last person was. We didn't go to bed till twelve thirty. Yeah, I left yeah. at like ten thirty, and there I, was still like two hundred yeah. people there. It was dark out. We, we and, had a huge you know, lineup, and I and and I stayed there until. And it was funny because every person that came up, they were like. I know you're exhausted, but uh, yeah. will you do this? And I was like, well, if you know I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. But I, I did. I, I, I thought it was important to stay was there. there one chance? I, I, I thought it was important to stay there and do that. And, and, and it was my way of saying thank you um, for the overwhelming support and love that we felt through every single state, mm-hmm. especially in Utah. Yeah. What do you want people to take away from this? <laughs> there's, a, there's a million different things. But for me, it's just... Um, just just be empowered to do that hard thing in your life um, and that it'll be okay. Um, however low you are, wherever you are, there, there's someone out there that loves you and there's someone out there that can support you and there's a, there's a way to climb out of it. And it's just take that first handhold and just start climbing. And, uh, and it will get better and, and you'll, you'll come out on top as long as you keep climbing. I like that, man. That's a pretty good place to end it, I think. Yeah. But I got to get Sonny's version of that. What do you want people to take away? There are no dead ends in life, only speed bumps. No, so I like that, too. When you think you've hit a dead end, it's not a dead end. It's just a speed bump. Stand up. Keep going. You know, if you see a speed bump coming, slow down a little bit. Either you can floor it and hit it and get it over with, or you can slow down, go over it gracefully. But there's no such thing as a dead end. Like, just... Floor it, skip it, hop it, however you need to at that speed bump. Mm-hmm. And if someone's listening and they're feeling stuck in their life or they're feeling frustrated in their ability to either figure out what it is that they're passionate about or perhaps they're having difficulty in 
achieving whatever goals they've set for them, what kind of inspiration or wisdom could you convey? I think the biggest problem that people have is they don't know what they actually want. They want something different, but they don't know what they want. Until you know what you want, you'll never have it. So figure out what you want, then work on the way to get it. Mm -hmm. the, the hardest part is figuring out what you want. Yeah, people don't know. They want something different, but they don't know what they want. Or they think they know what they want, but they that's not actually they what they want, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it'll solve all my problems. Yeah. All right, two final questions. The first one is, what are the wingmen going to do next? What's up, wingmen? Well, you guys, you could, you just, you should just go pro, let's go. pro wingman, just go from know, one ultra endurance event if, to the next. Uh, <laughs> if being wingman could pay the bills, that'd be awesome. Oh yeah. Anyone out there? Hello, wingman incorporated. <laughs> yeah. Sponsors? Want to hire us for the weekend? <laughs> they, they do parties. We're free. Yeah. We're free. <laughs> we're not free. They will come no. to your house. And I think we're gonna keep up some things going every once in a while. Just kind of. Uh, you should have your own Facebook page first of all. You know that's so funny. He uh, had that. <laughs> Great idea. Yeah. But then it's all separated from James. And yeah. so well, well, at some point, them? listen, at some point, you know, you got to leave the womb. You got to leave the nest. <laughs> right? what we, want. we want the rich role of people, listeners to vote if, if these wingmen had their own line, if people would follow. Wingmen? What do you mean their own line? Their own video blog. Oh, their own or blog? Their own Facebook page. Or <laughs> We say yes. We yeah, I think, I think so. I think, I think, I think, like I think the wingmen have garnished a following. Yeah. And <laughs> and just because just you guys, if you guys start your own thing, doesn't mean we can't plug it into mine. Well, what's cool about what... I'm not getting divorced, Casey. The, the, <laughs> that's what I'm worried about. The no. cool thing about um, where Sonny and I sit is by accomplishing this 50, it's, it's really the start line for us. And it now gives us a platform to go out and continue to do certain things to empower people and to raise the money. And so... So for us, it's it's a start line. So the wingmen don't have to, you know, there's still going to be opportunities for them to, to pop in and out because... Mm -hmm. um, Wait till the documentary comes out. <laughs> it's just going to blow up. Yeah. And, and, and so so it's actually great because they don't, they don't have to retire because um, I know they don't want to. Um, but we're going to be doing a lot of cool things over the next four or five years that'll uh, continue because now that we have this momentum and, and, and for lack of a better word, a captive audience... Um, we want to continue continue to do what we've been doing in the past. Mm -hmm. And are you uh, are you going to continue to pursue endurance sports? Do you have perspective on that yet, or is that is the um, jury out on the ju the jury in terms of what you're doing next, like physically? Yeah, I'll never do something that big again. Um, I'm excited to di to dive in and do team relays and a lot of fun things. Um, I'm excited to put together our pro team. Um, and be the head of that, and I'm excited to do coaching. Um, I'm really excited to do speaking. Um, we're writing a book. We're doing the documentary. Um, my time is going to be definitely occupied. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not. I'm not going to walk away from from racing, but it's not going to be. It's certainly not going to be fifty right. fifty fifty. And what's the what's the timeline on the documentary? Do you know? Um, yeah, we'll have it. Uh, they're already done through uh, half of the edit. Uh, we plan to release it by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. What's how are you gonna? Do you have a plan and how you're gonna release it? How that's gonna work? Uh, they've got a couple of different avenues. Um, they're just waiting for the the right one. Right. Yeah. And what about a book? Yeah, we're writing a book. All right, man. Yeah. Good. <laughs> cool. So, uh, final question. The Facebook page is great. All the beautiful pictures of you and the crowds of people and the smiles and the selfies and all of that. But I think the one image that really like knocked people out 
was that picture of your foot. (laughs) 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 That really rocked some people. I looked at it and I was like, yeah, of course, that's what his foot looks like. But for a lot of people, you know, the uninitiated, that was like, oh, man, look at that. So a lot of people are like, it was worse before. How? Are his feet doing? His picture. It was worse two weeks before. It was. That. Oh yeah. But that no, was no follow up. But yeah, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's getting better. Like he's already lost the toenails there. Like right. This is getting better. Uh huh. It's it's improving. What's, what's right? crazy about that? Do you that? lose all your toenails pretty much? No. No. You know, I still have. I still have. I still have a few left. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that was on that picture. Was it when it was on the on the mend? Um, it was crazy. My the toes that decided to freak out, they they needed to do so on their own time, and unfortunately, they did them one at a time, and so it just prolonged mm-hmm. that that thing. And it went, and it really wasn't the running shoes; it was the the bike shoes um, that hurt them. That hurt that hurt me the most. And so we, I mean, it was just a scramble to get me bigger and bigger shoes. I, I did the entire Ironman Arizona with my shoes outside of the shoes on top of your the feet. oh you did my wow. feet outside well, especially when you have that like edema right how could you possibly get your foot in a bike shoe yeah so i did the whole thing with it with it on top of the the bike shoe and so that was that was just like wow mashing the pedals that day um and then it just became a managing them and waiting for each toe to go through its process of uh-huh. whatever it needed to go through <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember in one state we we actually we cut out the the, the tips of the shoe just because mm-hmm. that pressure was so right so big on that toe um but they're great right, yeah they're, they're good now they're glad they're, to hear they're the to- people, totally the people on the man demanded to know yeah they're on the man right it's funny a lot of people said no we weren't wondering i was like are you kidding everybody's got to be wondering what those feet look like yeah but. well great you guys thank you so much for the time um this has been amazing and uh i've said it before i'm going to say it again i honestly think without any hyperbole that what you guys achieved as a team is truly one of the greatest uh, accomplishments in the history of voluntary human endurance. And by voluntary, I mean, you know, there's people in prison camps and things like that (laughs) that have to endure certain things against their will. But in terms of something that you willingly signed up for, it is truly remarkable. And as somebody who has a small taste of, you know, what you had to endure, it's nothing but uh, mad love and respect. And you know, I think for the average person out there who maybe has never, you know, run a 5K or anything like that, it's very difficult for them to wrap their brains around just what an extraordinary accomplishment it is. And uh, it's been my privilege to spend time with you guys and hopefully, you know, shine a little bit of a spotlight on what you're doing. And um, I'm just, I'm, I'm moved emotionally. It really, it really was emotional for me to be there in Utah and see you do that. And, uh, just I'm so impressed, not just with the physical accomplishment, but the way that you guys all acquitted yourself and carried yourself. It was really impressive, and uh, it's amazing, man. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep spreading the love, and I uh, can't wait to see what you're doing next, man. So thank you. Thanks, Rich. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. Peace. Plants. Power. All right, we did it. Did we do it? I think we did it. I think that was pretty great. What do you guys think? Let me know what you think of the episode in the comments section on the episode page at richroll.com. And hey, have you picked up our new cookbook and lifestyle guide, The Plant Power Way? 120 plus. Amazing, easy to prepare, delicious plant-based recipes and guidance for the whole family. It's a primer for 
the modern family, or the individual just looking to take your life and your health to the next level. The book retails for like $39.99, but you can pick it up on Amazon using the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for only like $23. Sometimes it's like $21 on Amazon. It's complete steal, you guys. So check that out. And for all your plant power needs, visit richroll.com. We got nutrition products like our Ion Electrolyte Recovery Supplement, as well as our vitamin B12 supplement. We got signed copies of our books, Finding Ultra and the Plant Power Way. We have 100% organic cotton garments. We got meditation programs. Julie's meditation program has been a huge favorite lately. You can check that out. It's super cheap. I think it's $9.99. We got Plant Power Tech Tees, Plant Power and Peace and Plants sticker packs. We got temporary tattoos. We got limited edition art prints, both framed and unframed. Basically everything you need to take your health and your life to the next level. We got your bases covered at richroll.com. Keep sending in your questions for future Q&A podcasts to info at richroll.com. We're going to be doing more of these, as you know, and I'm loving all the questions that you guys are sending in. Uh, if you're into online courses, I got two of those at mindbodygreen.com, The Art of Living with Purpose, which is all about getting focused, getting organized, setting goals, achieving them, getting your life on a solid trajectory, as well as The Ultimate Guide to Plant-Based Nutrition, which is a great sort of... Um, complementary piece to the plant power way. It's all about how to get more plant powered into your life and really take your health, your plate, your diet, your kitchen, your nutrition to the next level. Both of those courses are multiple hours of streaming video content and they can they include online uh, communities and all kinds of good stuff. So go to mindbodygreen.com, click on video courses and you can find out much more information about those there. Thanks for all the support of the show. Thank you for telling your friends. Thank you for sharing it on social media. We really appreciate the support and the help. Uh, this has been a grassroots movement of growing this show, and it's really been gratifying and amazing and wonderful and beautiful to see it uh, kind of blowing up uh, on iTunes and all over the world. And I really appreciate all the amazing emails and social media posts and feedback that you guys have been giving me. So thank you so much. And uh, that's it. Use the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases to support the show. And uh, that's all I got to say today. All right, you guys. I'll see you in a few days. Make it a great week. Carry on some of this inspiration from today's episode. Translate it into action in your own life. Peace. Plants. Yeah.